ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Steak, No Sizzle, an honest, no BS look at life, sports, and entertainment. I am your host, Devin McKenzie, here once again with a brand new episode of Podcast Gold. I thank all of you for listening. I thank those of you that are back and those of you listening for the first time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really do appreciate it. On this week's episode, I welcome, once again, I, I know I say this pretty much every single week, but this is a very, very, very special guest. This is my father, Mr. Jimmy McKenzie. Uh, this is an episode I was supposed to put out a couple weeks ago. I had some technical issues with it. I was able to you know, smooth everything out, so I'm dropping it this week. I wanted to put this episode out, you know, his birthday week, but wasn't able to do so. So let me just wish my father a happy belated birthday and many, many more to come. This episode is a part of the same series of shows that my mother and my Aunt Joanne were a part of. We're talking about the integration of schools down in Mississippi. Um, we, we touched on, definitely talked about that. We talked about his his upbringing in Quitman, Mississippi, and um, we kind of veered from the integration topic, and then we just started talking about him coming up here to Detroit and starting a life and a family and getting to know the man that raised me. So this was definitely a, a pleasure and an honor for me to do this episode. But um, let me go ahead and jump into a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll go ahead and jump into that conversation with Mr. Jimmy McKenzie. Uh, first off, Previous guest, Miss Tony Robinson, has a fundraiser coming up on April 15th. So those of you that are in Detroit and you want to get your hands on some of the jewelry that she talked about on the episode that we did. And if you went on her Instagram and Facebook and checked out, you know, some of the jewelry and stuff that she makes, she'll have a booth set up at a fundraiser at the Epitone Lounge in Detroit, which is on West Congress. Uh, it's a fundraiser. It's called Paying It For. It's, it helps the Helpful Souls organization. Like I said, this is a fundraising event. It's going to be uh, rappers there. They're going to have comedians, singers, dancers, poets. It's going to be a fashion show. They're going to have uh, booths set up um, with different vendors. And like I said, proceeds are going to the Helpful Souls organization. So make sure you come on out and check that out. Like I said, it's April 15th. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. Donation is $15 to get in. And like I said, it's at the Epitone Lounge on West Congress. That's in uh, downtown Detroit. So make sure y'all check that out. I have the poster posted on my Facebook page. I'll I'll tweet this out as well. And I'll, I'll throw it up on the Instagram too. And uh, once again, if you want to hit up Miss Tony Robinson, you can do so at the Lady Essence on Instagram. I'm sorry, the underscore Lady Essence. T H E underscore L A D Y E S S E N C E. That's on Instagram. Hit her up on Facebook. Her name is Tony Robinson. It's T O N I R O B I N S O N. So uh, hit her up if you need more details about the uh, the event. Go check her out. You know, go show some support to a uh, uh, former All Stake No Sizzle guest. And let me let me talk about another former All Stake No Sizzle guest, Mister 
Q Simpson from the Critical Dump and Chopping It Up with Q podcast. Um, I just recently did an episode of his show, Chopping It Up with Q. Uh, make sure you go ahead and check that out. I believe it's episode 29 of his show. Um, had, had a really good time uh, recording with him and uh, VJ and uh, Mr. Pennyless. <laughs> we uh, touched on a, a number of topics such as uh, the Janet Jackson situation. Uh, we talked about uh, the, the situation that went down on the United Airlines flight. We talked about, <laughs> I, I, I learned a new term over the past week. It's called HOTEP. Uh, we we got, we jumped into that and talked about people that are too woke. As a matter of fact, that's the name of the episode. It's called Too Woke. So make sure you go check out Q at the Critical Dump. You can listen to this show on iTunes, uh, Spreaker, Spreaker, Spreaker. Let's get that right, Spreaker. Uh, you can check it out on SoundCloud, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can check out a podcast. So look up uh, Chopping It Up with Q. And you know, go show him some love. Once again, I want to give a shout out to Q and thank you, man, for you know inviting me on the show. I'll be down there in Dallas sometime next month. I think May 10th is when I'll be in Dallas. So me and Q are definitely going to link up at some point that weekend, and uh, we'll see if we can't put something else out. But go check that one out if you want to hear your boy, or if you want to, and you know, go support him and check out his show. It's, it's really good, really good uh, episode. Also, I have a future guest coming up, my man GFNet. If you listen to the show, the song that I have, uh, basically between the intro and my interviews and my outro song, those two songs were done by GFNet. He very talented producer, and he's also a rapper. And over the weekend... Uh, G shot a video for his first single off of his next album called Not Human. And his album, The Formula, will be coming out later on this month. I will let you guys know the specific date. Um, he told me the date. I just wanted to make sure. I don't want to you know, throw it out there and, and uh, some changes happen. So when I get a confirmation of the date, I'll let you all know. But he just shot a video. We shot a video this past Sunday, and, and uh, he just sent me the link over for it. If you go on my Facebook page, you can uh, see the video. Like I said, it's called Not Human by G Infinite. If you go on my Twitter, I got the link for it on there. Also, uh, you can go on YouTube and just type it in, Not Human by G Infinite. And uh, make sure you subscribe to his YouTube page. I'll even throw a link in, in the uh, description of this episode. But G is going to be on the show uh, sometime soon. We, we're working on uh, locking down time for me to sit down with him. We're going to talk about his project, The Formula, which I am actually on that album. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you guys what I'm actually doing yet, but you'll see. Go, make sure you go ahead and check that out when that drops. And, you know, we're going to sit down and talk about the project. We're going to talk about, you know, his production. You know, we're just going to talk, you know, just sit around and talk, get to know G Infinite, man. So I'm looking forward to that episode. And that'll be coming out really, really soon. So, make sure, like I said, make sure you go check out my man Q and the Critical Dump and Chopping It Up with Q. Go show some support to my girl, Tony Robinson. Like I said, I'm going to, I tweeted out 
um, and posted on the Facebook page the information for her fundraiser coming up. And like I said, go ahead and hit her up on Instagram at the underscore Lady Essence and hit her up on her Facebook page. It's Tony Robinson. And once again, make sure you check out my man G Infinite's video, Not Human. Let me let me just say, man, the, the visuals for that video is, is crazy. It's amazing. That and you know, let me shout out my man uh Road Design from Cotel Collective, man. They they the ones that did the video. They did an excellent job, man. It's amazing how you can take nothing and turn it into something, man. Like I'm not gonna, you know, give we'll talk about it on the show when I when I'm sitting down with G Infinite how crazy it was and you know how how well everything was done man but check out the video it's, it's definitely definitely worth watching but let's go ahead and jump into this episode everybody make sure you check out the show on all platforms itunes uh soundcloud google play stitcher however you listen to the show check it out on there and you know like subscribe follow comment review the show while you're on there if you want to hit me up on social media, you can do so at Devin the Six Three on Twitter. That's D E V I N T H E Six Three. You can hit me up on Instagram. It's all stake no sizzle, all one word, and hit up the Facebook page. Just type in All Stake No Sizzle on Facebook. It'll pop right up. And if you want to send me an email, you can do so at asnspodcast at gmail.com. So, without further ado, let me introduce to you. The greatest man alive, the man that gave birth to, well, no, he didn't give birth to me, but uh, <laughs> he was one half of the uh, ingredients that created me, my father, Mr. Jimmy McKenzie. gentlemen welcome to this special episode of all state no sizzle i have a very special guest the greatest man to ever live the man i call the the original article <laughs> the, the the blueprint the, the man that created me mr jimmy mckenzie say hi to the people hey everybody and if you haven't figured out this is uh my father great man great man and uh I brought you on the show to continue this series of shows that I've been doing, talking about the integration of Quitman High Schools in your hometown. And you know, we talked to your lovely wife, Mrs. Nightline McKenzie, and you made a little guest appearance on that episode. But we're going to talk to you uh, solely because I want to get your idea, your thoughts, and uh, your remembrance of that time. So first, let me start off with asking you, what year did you graduate from high school? <clears throat> I graduated in 1969. Okay. And your wife graduated in 1970. Right. So you were a part of the last graduating class from the all-black Shirley Owens High School in Quitman, Mississippi. Right. Okay. Um, before, Actually, you know what? Before I ask that question, I want to ask you a question that I asked your wife or mama. And... I think it kind of it kind of caught her off guard. I don't know if she knew how to answer it, but I want to ask you this question. You graduated in 1969, and in 1968 is when basically it was 
legal for African Americans to vote. Um, when I remember when I was, you know, before I turned 18, when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, I was looking forward to turning 18 because, you know, when you turn 18, you can get your license and, well, get your full license. You can buy cigarettes and uh, you go off to college and graduate and you get the right to vote. Well, basically most of your time in school, you didn't have the right to vote as a black man because it wasn't it wasn't legal for black people to vote at that time. So what was it like growing up and not looking forward to when you could vote, but looking forward to maybe one day I will be able to vote? Well, even the passing of the Voting Rights Act for blacks, I'm speaking of Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, you had to register to vote. Right. And them people came up with all kind of tests and stuff, knowing good and well a lot of those people couldn't pass them. Even if they did, they still didn't pass it. You know, it was something passed that given a black person the same right as a white person. I'm pretty sure when white people, when they came of age and, and went registered to vote, that was it. They would just sign up or whatever the procedure was for them to register to vote. When the election come around, they go and vote. Well, down there, when uh, black people, a lot of black people went to sign up to register to vote, you know, they're going to put their name in the papers. You know, for what? I never did vote. I never did vote in the state of Mississippi. I never even signed up down there. I didn't start voting until I moved to Detroit. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question. Like, did you, so you've never voted in the state of Mississippi? I never voted in the state of Mississippi. Okay. Do you, do you know if any of your, well, I'm pretty sure most of your brothers and sisters are still down there in uh, Mississippi. So have you, did you hear any stories or any thing happening when they went to vote for the first time? Uh, no, not that I that I can remember that uh, that they told me about. Uh, well, see, by the time I was age enough to vote and stuff, see, I was I was leaving there, right? After, you know, come to Detroit, and and uh, that's where early early on. I don't remember the exact year, but early on, I went you know registered to, to vote because I I could vote, and and plus I I was, I was pretty sure you know I ain't had to go through all that that stuff no more made up tests and stuff and putting your name in the paper that you don't register to vote and stuff. You know, I don't think a lot of people probably don't realize what all black people just had to go through for the simple thing just to register to vote. Like uh, like what? Like what what type of things did black people have to go see, through at that time? What we what we grew up in the South and in Mississippi and it's all over the state of Mississippi and the South, too. We was under those Jim Crow laws, old made-up laws that them people made up to keep black people in their place. And that was what they, that was their intention for that to be like that all the time. You know, you know, went back in the 1865, 60s and 60s, all until 65 and stuff, through that Civil War and stuff, that a free slavery. Well, you know, free to slave, but some people still didn't accept the fact that, you know, uh, black people had the same rights, should have had the same rights. You know, it was a whole lot of stuff. Black people shouldn't have had to go through all that stuff. 
It just, it really just shouldn't have happened like that, but it did. And here's all, we have come a long way through some tough times and stuff to get uh, the right to do things in this free country. Right. So, let's, let's kind of transition, like just you growing up in Quitman, Mississippi, let's, let's say you're, when you were really, really young, when you were were eight, nine, ten years old. What was it like growing up in Quitman, Mississippi? Well, you know, growing up there. Well, to you, to us at the time, you know, you young, you you don't know the difference, right? That you know, that's the way thing. Well, as you get older and things, you know, happening, you know, some of the things people would tell you and stuff, and lots of it you could see it for yourself. You you just knew it was a difference. For us, the white people, and the, and we were black people. You knew there was a difference, and here was a certain way they expected you to act. Okay, what well, you didn't? It was basically kind of it was a line, and it was a line drawn. You just didn't step over that line. Okay. Well, okay. Well, take me through a day in your life back in nine. You were born in nineteen fifty, right? Right. So let's take let's say nineteen sixty. You're ten years old. Uh, it's a it's a Monday morning. You wake up. What was your life like from the moment you woke up after that? Well, it depends on what what time of the year it was. Okay. Well, it's what October. Well, we're recording this is October around Halloween. So this time of the year, what was your life like growing up? As a well, I raised when I, I wasn't really raised in the city of the, the little city equipment. We right. were raised in, in the country on a farm. Right. Uh. You were doing some. You were you were still doing gathering farm uh, stuff from your farm at this time of year in October. Okay. Well, you, <laughs> uh, your family had quite a bit of land down there in uh, Mississippi. Is well, that is that correct? We had a little bit. Of, had, my father had a little bit of land. Or in in that community. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the community that you grew up in. What it was called Rocky, right? Yeah, the Rocky community. Well. First question is, do you know why it was called Rocky? How it got the name Rocky? I know. I really don't. And I don't think you can ask, find anybody and ask them how that, uh, got, how that community got that name. I have no idea. Okay. Well, for the most part, who were the people that made up the community of Rocky? It was all black community. That's all lived there were black, were black people. Okay. So for the most part, were they family or was it? People that for the most part it was it was most of the people was kind of some kin some way or another. There was some you know few people might have been in that community might not have been any kin well, except for for our family it might have been a few people in that community it wasn't any kin to us but some kind of way he was mostly he was kin to you some kind of way. Okay, so basically everybody down there farmed. Yeah. yeah. That was basically what mostly everybody did. Okay, so what what kind of what kind of uh, crops are we talking about? Number one was cotton, okay. corn, peas, beans, uh, potatoes, peanuts, all, all all kind of farm stuff that you would grow on the farm. So you you grew up basically picking cotton. Yeah, and always have. So what was what was that like being? Young boy out in the cotton fields. Hard work. 
That hoarding, <laughs> working on a farm is hard. It's, it's hard work. Okay. It really is. But you know, you you had to. It, it, if you you know growing up, you got farm. It, it's a hard work, but you had to do it. Okay. And what was what other? You said you also did like peanuts, corn, peas, other crops like that. Yeah. Of, of all those crops, which one was the hardest to? Cotton. <laughs> okay, so t- talk to me about the, the the cotton process, like from once you plant it to when you pick it, and after that, like what's what's the whole process of cotton? Well, you uh, you got to cultivate. Well, the process they use down there, they would cultivate that field, which uh, what they call distant uh, plowing it with a tractor. Then you have you you uh, start uh, making your rows of where you were gonna plant the cotton, and it was a two it was two processes you used uh, for whatever reason they wouldn't put cotton seeds in the ground with fertilizer. They would uh, put the fertilizer down, cover that fertilizer up, and then go then what we had uh, uh, what we call a planter thing, uh, one of your t- to plant uh, a thing, you, it basically plows and, and and plant that cotton, but it will plant it. It will plant it, but it wasn't right, right into that fertilizer. That's that's a whole lot of work of doing that. Once that that uh, cotton is, is come up out of the ground, we would uh, pl- we would plow. It was two processes. You could you you could what they call a user what uh, uh, a plow they call a stretcher. That you can just stretch, kind of stretch it, just sit, it, it kind of make it make that roll where that cotton is a certain size, right? And it's two process of it. Uh, you either chopping cotton or hoeing cotton. So what was chopping cotton? Well, you were uh, well chopping cotton. Cotton come up, you plant it thick to make sure you get a good stand of cotton. Then you have to go, uh, plow, do the plowing of it. Then you go in and chop it and cut down a. Uh, just cut it down and have, uh, you know, cotton here, 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 and just in a straight row. You have to cut some of it out of there, the grass and the cotton. Then the next time you do it, it, it you call it uh, hoeing cotton. Then you just hoeing the grass out of it. You don't go and cut down any more of that cotton. If you do that, you, you you wouldn't cut down too much of it once all your pants find out about it. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't do that. Okay. And then you, well, how many times you want to plow that cotton? Coming up to around about July, you do the last plowing of it called laying it by. Well, then you waiting that. And from that point, you waiting on to around about the last of September, uh, about the last of September, August, uh, during that time. That's when you start picking cotton. Okay. So, what basically everybody in Quitman, not necessarily the city, but that were all the black people that were in the Rocky community and people that were out in other communities too. Was this pretty much what they were doing to make a living? It's pretty much farming. Yeah, a lot of people that were that's how they made a living. Uh, uh, even though you didn't get paid, but once a year that 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 was a lot a lot of people uh, planted cotton during that time. <laughs> even people that were down there that uh, it might not have been just but the, a couple. They didn't, you know, they kids done got grown and gone and stuff. They played a lot of them people still farm, planted cotton and stuff. Oh, we 
We have helped um, a lot of those people in, in that community. We used to have to go and help them, uh, you know, do their farming, plowing, chopping cotton, uh, picking cotton, gathering corn, peas, beans, anything we did on our what farming we did, we have helped a whole lot of other people in that community to do that. Okay. Well, you're saying like cotton season when you started picking it was, you said like the end of September, right? Yeah, somewhere around the end of September, so, September, October. what time of the year did school start? Was that like beginning of September, end of August sort of? About August. Okay, so cotton season and school kind of overlapped each other. Yeah, So that cotton was out in that field, you had to go and pick cotton. So... Basically, you could be in basically in the beginning of the school year, but sometimes you didn't go to school. No, you had to go pick that cotton. Wow. So how does that, let's just say, you know, you're 10, 11 years old picking cotton and, you know, you're going through school and then, you know, cotton season, cotton picking season kicks in. Like, was it a lot of people that didn't show up for school because they were, they were too busy? Yeah, and, it was quite a few people that they have, that happened to us. Uh, well, in our community, it was two families of the McKenzie's, and you know the, the smaller kids that was too small to just pick cotton. They went on to school, but the rest of it we had to pick cotton. So, what was uh, what was like the the cotton picking age? <laughs> if, if you could, if, if, uh, you were small, as long as I can remember, all the way back to first, I can remember I had to, I had been up in the field picking cotton. You go out there and when you small, and then the bigger you get, the longer you have to stay out there and pick cotton. Okay. So like maybe like, what, five or six is when you started? Well, yeah, you, it, you know, the, the, the five and six years old, they would, you know, especially six, that you started the school, they would still go to school. Okay. Hey, Papa could do it at seven and maybe eight, but... uh but probably eight, nine years old, you gonna, you gonna, you big enough to pick cotton at that time. You bet you can pick what you can, you pick what you can. Okay. So I don't know how much interaction you had with the, the white people in, in equipment, but do you know if they had to, um, miss school to, to pick cotton and, and do crops and stuff like that? Or was it just mainly in the black community? I'm not aware of any white people, white kids had to do that. Matter of fact, I don't really remember any white kids picking any cotton. I'm quite sure it did happen. Right. But I wasn't, we wasn't just around uh, white people a whole lot. Uh, now, I have worked for white people and picked cotton. I picked cotton for white people, too. So, basically, you were picking their cotton, but were they out there working, too? No. Okay. Well, the, it, like I said, uh, the same thing uh, where it was a uh, this man, just him and his wife, they kid was grown and stuff. I don't know. I don't think a lot of them, I don't think them kids picked any cotton when they were growing up either. Uh, they, well, they, both times would be the man. If you don't, when you're picking cotton and stuff, they have to, you know, they, he'll, he'll come out there, uh, well, get you, take you out to that field and stuff. Right. And uh, I don't know, that man be gone somewhere else. I don't know where he would be. But he would be back there, especially in the evening time, because he had to weigh up all, had to weigh all that cotton and stuff and pay you. Well, let me kind of transition back to Shirley Owens. 
but still kind of talking about this. Were there any other crops during different times of the year that kind of took you away from your schoolwork, or was it just mainly? Just, just cotton. Okay, so, so the rest of it, you you would, even if you could have gone to school and did the rest of that stuff anyway. Okay. But it was just mostly, it was just the cotton, the one that kept you out of school. And you said that was like end of September. So, like, how, how long was that cotton picking time period? You don't, well, cotton be ready to pick right about the, uh, August, September, and on into, into October. So, basically, those, what, two, two months? Well, two, roughly about, uh, roughly about two months. If you even you went to uh, August and September, I mean, uh, August, well, September and October really they really heavy cotton picking season. Okay, so basically, once you picked all the cotton, it was that was done. What, what do you mean that was done? For as far as like dealing with cotton for the rest of the year. Once oh you, yeah, once you done picked it, that's it. You, that, that, that's it. it ain't yeah. So basically, it was a lot of black people that were going to Shirley Owens. They kind of had like the beginning of the school year kind of interrupted yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, let's let's transition to your time as a as a young young lad at, at Shirley Owens. What was it like for you, you know, being a, a young before high school, before yeah, let's talk about elementary and junior high school. What was it like being at Shirley Owens for for you personally? No, see, I didn't like going to school. <laughs> <laughs> really? I no, I didn't like going to school, but you know, you had to go to school. Okay. Is there any any reason you didn't like like it? I don't know. I just didn't. Okay. Like, did you get good grades? At first, I think I was doing pretty fast. I wasn't on the honor roll, but, <laughs> but I did pretty fast. Okay. Well, um, I, I was in Mississippi, uh, like about this time, like ten years ago, working with uh, Michael, and I can't remember what her name is. The lady that was working as a, in uh, Michael's office. Um, Catherine. Catherine, that's it. And like she was telling me, like you were a really good student. Well, I, I, I did pretty fair. I, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but <laughs> so I could cut though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, aside from the actual schoolwork, like did, what was it like for you interacting with other students at Shirley Owens? Yeah, we got along with a lot of a lot of. Uh, uh, other kids really well and stuff. You had a lot of friends, or well, I would say I was friendly uh, with everybody, but it was you know at different times you know uh, kind of your best friend and stuff. But but for some reason, and I thought about that later on, the uh, the person that would come good friend with them, it seemed like for for I started losing, started losing. One guy, I remember, we had because we had the same. His name was Jimmy. Also, I started school with him in the first grade, and and uh, he, I don't, I I didn't know that he wasn't gonna pass out of the sixth grade at the time, and I lost contact with him from from that point. Uh, he didn't he didn't pay, and he and uh, he quit going to school. And then you know, after then I had to you know find me another good friend from the seventh grade on. Uh, I was this one guy. I, we was kind of good friend together on through until we graduated. And after graduated, lost contact with him. So in in Quitman, there's a lot of McKenzies. There's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a few of us. At the, especially at that time, going to just going to share alone, it was a bunch of McKenzie's there. Well, how many uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? 
got 11 brothers and four sisters. Okay. And on the other side of the McKenzie family is, uh, I think it's, nine, I think it's, it's a nine boys and, and nine, well, nine boys and nine girls, I think. It's 18. <laughs> so, let's just say it was, parents were a lot, a lot kind of busy down there, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, during your time coming up, did you go to school with a lot of your, your cousins? Or were you in the same grade as, as any of your cousins or a lot of your cousins? Yeah, one, uh, one of my cousins, uh, uh, being her was the same age, we started school together. Okay, who was that? Her name was Annie Mae. Okay, Annie Mae. But she, she used to live here in Detroit too, right? Is that what No, I mean? no, she didn't live in Detroit. She lived in, I don't know if you ever even met Annie Mae. She lived in, she lived in Florida. Is that? You talking about Louise and Annis was here. Okay, Annis, that's what I'm thinking about. Like anime, is that any relation to Asante Samuel? Or is that? No. Di- okay. No, that's, the anime was on my father's side of the family. Asante Samuel, he, he come from my mother's side of the family. Okay, all right. So, during your time in, let's just talk about high school too. During your time at Shirley Owens, um, did you play any sports or were you in any any clubs or did you have any any after school activities? No, sports really was out by the time my intentions were to play some sports. Uh, what sport? Well, I don't know for some reason. Well, I don't, well, to answer that, I don't really know exactly which one. Probably either baseball, basketball, and football. But what happened, uh, I believe, it, if I remember correctly, I think I was in about the fourth grade, might have been the fifth, my older brother started playing football and he got his leg broke. Okay. Well, at that point, my brother told us, told the rest of us, we, we, we wasn't going to play no football. So, for whatever reason, that kind of put the end to me playing any sports at all. I didn't play any. So, not just football, but just sports. Just sports. I know, I know, uh, uh, well, older brother, well, Roy, Red, me, well, I know we we didn't play any sports, and I don't think Grip did either. Uh, Claude, I don't think he did. I know Bobby, Ed, Edward, Mike, I'm not sure about Ed. Was he down? You talking about some, you know, I'm the younger one. Right. But uh, he told him, I, I was surprised that I know Bobby did play. Right. Kind of was surprised. I guess he talked out of it. <laughs> she changed her mind, but she told him, we, you know, we weren't going to play anymore. Okay. Did, did, so you, were you any good at playing football, baseball, and basketball? I never played at school itself. Right. I mean, like just in, like in the community oh, or like. I, well, I, I thought I did pretty well. We had a had a, a baseball team. We used to play baseball uh, there in the community with teams from other communities. I played. Uh, I thought I did pretty good. I could hold my own. I'm pretty sure everybody wanted you on the team because you, you were pretty tall. So I'm pretty sure they wanted you at least on the basketball team, huh? <laughs> well, we. We played some basketball. Uh, we didn't just have no team. We would maybe just some boys get together and go play some basket, just play basketball. But when we played baseball in the summer, we didn't just play. It was, it was just one team in that community. We would play teams from different, just different communities. Even played uh, Quitman, Crandall, Why Not, White Oak. 
uh, they uh, their little community like that had baseball team we would play them. Okay. But baseball was uh, she was okay with the baseball. He meant base basically meant uh, we wasn't gonna play any football, which we had. we used to play foot just playing that sandlock football. We used to play all the time. Okay, so. Did, did you do have any like after school activities at all besides sports or well, anything like that? No, after school wasn't no, the only the after school activity. When you saying after school activities, the things you naming, yeah. Well, see, when we left school, at some point when you know, kind of got the biggest of those crops and stuff that you've been out of school doing, and they come a time you can go back to school. Uh-huh. Well. You, you would kind of finish that up. If we was finished and wonder we would have to go in, we would go help other people. Because on the time when we got out of school and got home, what you did, you got out of those school clothes, put on you some work clothes, and you had to go back out in them fields and work until it got dark. Wow. So basically, well, yeah, around what time would you kind of wake up in the morning to get ready to go to school? Maybe. See that. that. I should remember that really well. You had, 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 I know we had to be getting up about five thirty or six o'clock so, at least. So five thirty, six o'clock, you're getting ready for school. What time did you get out of school? I was trying to think of it. We got, I think we got out of school. I believe it was three o'clock when we got out of school. Okay, so from, you got up, you got up at five thirty, six o'clock to go to school. Got out at three. What time did you get home? Well, we were home. Uh, was it? We were about just. <laughs> I don't know the exact mileage because we go. We didn't just leave. We rode a bus and we had to go different places. That you know where they drop kids off. So you were talking about uh, to get home. It took it within forty-five minutes to an hour to get to get home. Okay, so, so you getting home somewhere around about four o'clock. Okay, so from four o'clock until. Once you got home at four o'clock, well, you took you took your clothes off and yeah, well, uh, ate, ate, ate something. Oh and they, yeah, you now that one thing they were gonna feed you. <laughs> they were gonna you might sometimes might not be what you wanted to eat, but they done prepare some food for you. So you basically, gonna, like five o'clock you was out working. If you got there at four o'clock, you gonna be about be out working at about about four thirty. You, you know, we might have got out of school at two thirty. I don't remember the exact time we got out of the, out of there. But basically, about four thirty, you were out. Oh yeah, out, you out were either there at home, you out out there doing some kind of work. See, it was still work to do at home. You know, at at home too. Not only, well, just to say what you were gonna do at home. If you didn't go help somebody that day, it was stuff you had to do at home. Thing was a lot different than it are. Well, see, during the, most of the time when we were growing up. Well, for me, things changed later on. You know, it was what they called chores to do around the house. Mm-hmm. Well, see, you had, it was animals. We had animals. You had to feed them animals. That was one thing, uh, especially my mother. If you're going to have those animals, you have to take care of them, feed them and water them and stuff and take care of them. You, and sometimes you mess around and get to playing and forget it. And you done got dogs. They done asked you, say, did you feed them? Oh, oh I, I forgot. You got to go feed them. Wow, you go you go go feed them right. You know you know you supposed to do them. It would you know everybody had something to do. So what what like around time? What time of the day was quitting time when 
you would get ready to, you know. Dog foot, what it would all, used to say dog footy <laughs> when it got dark. So after it got dark, you would go back in the house and start yeah. doing your homework and then go to yeah. sleep or? Yeah, whatever homework, watch television or whatever it is you got to do. But that was some that was some things you had to shoot. A lot of times you had to get up in the morning and do some stuff. Wow. Okay, well. Uh, we have had cows. We had to get up and go milk that cow before. But this had, you had to do this before you went to school. Wow. Okay, well, you're saying you didn't have any uh, any activities, but I do know of one thing you did do what? when you were down there. You were one of the bus drivers. At what? Sh- for, well, I mean, were you a bus driver for Shirley Owens or were you a bus driver for uh, the city of equipment? Like, what was your. Well, it was uh, all along with see, I drove the school bus the last year I w- uh, went to school, which would have been 60, starting in 68 and finishing in 69. Okay. Well, see, the integration of those schools has started. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. But I, w- I want to hear about your your bus your bus driving escapades. So you, you only did that your your senior year? Right. Okay. Well, just that, that just that one that one year. So what was that like? What was what was that like? Like, how did how did your day as a bus driver go? Well, again, I you know, I had to get up in the morning. I you know, I had a route uh, for the kids that I would pick up, and uh, not only did I drive a school bus, the the man that stayed just right up above us there, he drove a school bus. We we drove from out of that same community, uh, but it was a he was the main driver for the kids in that in that community. Mm-hmm. That was a few of what I had one, two, three, four, four stops in that community that I picked up kids. Then all the rest of mine were picked up some somewhere else. Uh, and and I had uh, one, one, I thought it was about three, maybe I believe it was three kids. I had to go get them. I had to turn off of the main highway and go about two or three miles all the way back up in there to pick up them three, two or three kids. It was another bus went in there, but it was a what we call a white bus driver. Them kids couldn't they couldn't ride the bus with, with them. That white driver didn't pick up them black kids. I had to go in there and pick them up. So did you ever pick up any white kids when you were out? No. Okay. That that so that was basically you just, you just, it didn't happen. Let's see. Like I said, here were two school systems there. Okay. And that's kind of the way they uh, they wanted to keep it, it to keep it like that. So did, did you ever go to the the basically the, the predominantly white school was Zach Huggins? Was that the name of yeah, it? Yeah, well, Zach Huggins High School in the elementary. Now I had kids on on my route. I picked them up. I went to really four different. I dropped. Some, I uh, it was a. I don't know if that was a junior high. Well, I dropped them off at that elementary school. That's why that was. I only had kids for to go down to Zach Huggins. That white school was just for kids. It was only kids that started going to school down there in '68. That's where they. That some of them, I guess, that was their first year starting, and it, and it was some of them they had been going there for a, while, for a year or so. Then when I leave there, I had to go to Sherlock Owens Elementary School. And drop off some kids there. Then I went to Sherlock High School, and uh, that's where the bus was completely unloaded at, at that point. And now the kids that you were picking out were these elementary school or middle school, or basically just any everybody in that community, all pretty much all grades. 
Well, it, uh, it was it was all great. Well, for the route where I picked up kids, I picked up just who. Well, I knew you know who I was supposed to pick up, and the other driver he picked up the rest of them. Whoever went to school from that house that I picked uh, on my route, I picked them all up. Okay, so for for you personally, like, what was it like? Basically, having a, a job was this, you know, what was it like, you know, doing the route, and what was it like having a little extra money in your pocket? What extra money? <laughs> I, I you didn't get paid for it. Yeah, I paid. I paid fifty dollars a month. So what did you do with your fifty dollars? I mean, you're high high school senior. You got fifty dollars in your pocket every month. <laughs> yeah, well, at first it sounded like it, I was gonna have a lot of money, but uh, even back then, fifty dollars was in a way it was kind of a lot, but it it wasn't all that much. But see, I had to go to school anyway. But you didn't. Uh, so yeah, once you got your fifty dollars, like what did you do with it? You didn't go like to the to the movies and you know. Take your take never, your girlfriend around town and stuff like that. Oh, I ain't never, I ain't never been to no movies in 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 uh, equipment. Uh, you never went to the movies? No, not in equipment. It wasn't. A, I think it used to be a movie house in equipment, but I ain't remember. I ain't never. I never went to it. Wow. I mean, could you go, or was it you just didn't go? Like, was it like well, the black only? I don't. Re- I I think I, I'm pretty sure it was a a, a movie thing in equipment. But could, black kid, blacks could go there so okay, that yeah, I can remember. Right, that's what I was trying to figure. But out. I never gone there myself. Okay. But so, what, but like for you personally, as far as like you know, picking up the kids and taking them home, like what was that like for you? Was it just something that you you just did, or was it fun, or did you did you enjoy it, or? Well, yeah, we well, you know, I enjoyed driving at the time. I that it was I, I enjoyed driving, but you know, it, that's that's what, it was. A, it was it was a job, and I you know did get I did get paid. They paid us. Okay, so I'm assuming that as the high school as a high school senior, like basically you know black kids and white kids could bus drive, or was it just something that was Offered to the black people in the community. I I don't if it was I'm not sure about the uh, that white school. I don't know whether they had any keep any students that drove buses or not. I, that I, I don't I can't remember. I believe it did though. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think they did allow them. Well, if they allowed us to do it, I'm pretty sure they allowed the white kids to do it. Okay. Um. So, as a bus driver, you you did drive past the the white schools, right? Yeah, I, I, I went to I went to uh, well that white school, and, but I went um, went right past the high school around to get to that elementary school. Well, that's where I was dropping kids off there at that elementary school. Okay, so basically, you got to see the, the all the buildings. Uh, basically, you saw all the school buildings and equipment pretty much every day, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. I want you to think back to that time, and I want you to tell me what the the black schools, the Shirley Owens buildings, actually looked like. Like, what kind of condition were they in? What were they built out of brick, wood? Like, what 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 did the buildings look like at Shirley Owens? Well, I'm gonna kind of go back to when I started school at Shirley Owens. The building I started at school in at Shirley Owens, it was just a one room building. Really? 
Yeah, it wasn't a brick building, just a, just a little one-room building there. That was just for the first grade. Now, when I went to the second grade, this was a, it was a kind of a block building for the flood. I can remember it was kept in pretty good shape because it was the second grade, home economics, and uh, the, the uh, third grade. Uh, now, it's rather, that, that was, that's what Shell on this was Shell Owens for those, uh, up until I got to the third, when I would come out of third grade, they had not built the, what they call that, the new Shell Owens building. But to go back, if I'd have stayed at that older building, right off from where we was in the third grade, it was a old, this was a, this building was old then, as I can remember. And what I can remember about that building one on one side of that building, you could walk underneath that thing, you know. But I was a child at the time. Now he probably wasn't as high as I thought it was. Right. But you just walk right underneath that thing. That was, I think, that was the, from the fourth, fifth, and the sixth grade. It was in that one in that particular building. Well, then if you uh, from from that point, well, we, we, we call it the high school, but that but the seventh. From the seventh through the twelfth grade had to be up there in that particular building. Oh, I can remember from the at the first grade, the first, second, and third grade. For us to go to the bathroom, we had to we had we had to lead out and hit what you know you were talking about 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 shoot, it had to be from what about about five hundred yards. We had to go up to that white school to go and go in there to you for the bathroom. There wasn't no bathroom. That one room building wasn't no bathroom in there. Uh, other building uh, what had the second grade the home economics in third grade there were no bathrooms in there that uh, other building over there we're talking about were high off the ground like that there were no bathrooms in there either but see so there, there was no there was no like outhouses by the well there wasn't no outhouses there but that now that high school building uh, it, was ba- it was bathrooms in there like actual like indoor plumbing bathrooms yeah. in in the white high school, but it didn't have it in the black schools. No, no. Uh, as far Sheila as Owens high, high School at the time, when I was saying that one room building, right? Then the building with the uh, with the with the, with the second whole naked man in third grade. Here wasn't no bathrooms in that building either. So it, the high school, the Shirley Owens High School had bathrooms. Yeah. Okay. Then when you know, I was talking about that building, which was. was you could walk. You could walk, ground, on, you could walk, walk on underneath it. it uh, I I think that building it had to go from the fourth to at least the sixth grade. It wasn't any bathrooms in there either. So you had to walk to. We had to go up to that. High, now this high school, this building was it was a brick building. Even at that time, that was a that was a brick building up there. That's where we had to go and go to the bathroom. All right, let me just let me just make sure I got it. So. When you were in elementary school, like from fourth to sixth grade, you had to go to the no, the no, white. No, no. Well, I only went Sheila Owens, where it was originally when I started school. Uh, I only went to school there from the first to the third grade. Okay. At the third, I didn't. I didn't go to school in that. I never even had go to school in that that tall building. I I I, I didn't go to school. Go in the classes there. But basically, we left there, and then they had to build this other school. Okay, so they built a brand new school right. that had indoor plumbing at this point. But again, I'm going back to the, the high school at at that at, at the original Sheldon One had it had bathrooms in in it. But, ba- well, but basically, what I'm trying to figure out is 
when you were saying like it didn't, ha- the building didn't have bathrooms. You had to go to the Shirley Owens High School or the White High School. No, no. At the time I'm talking, you you didn't. It wasn't you wasn't. It, it wasn't that white school wasn't even talked about. You know okay, that, so that that wasn't even a possibility at that time. So you had to go to the Shirley Owens High School right, to go to the to, bathroom. At this yeah, point. Well, see from what these what these buildings was, I'm talking about the one room building and and the uh, three rooms and then the one off the ground. And off from there, it was a what we call the Shirley Owens High School. That's what okay. for like from the seventh. Through the twelfth grade went. That's where they went, and that's where that's where you had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, so there's no indoor went. plumbing at right, this school. Right, there was school. indoor plumbing up there until they built the newer building. Right. Okay. Now, but I don't remember any water fountain or anything being in that building. Where the water was in the, in the newer building? The, no, no, that that uh, the, old, the old one. Okay. Old, uh, you know, said for you to drink water. I don't remember any any kind of water fountains or anything being inside that building. Well, so how did you, how did you drink water? There, it was a concrete thing out there, a round concrete thing out there. It had two water faucets on it. You you had to go out there to drink water, and it was one down from that building that way up off the ground. It was one of those same things down there. That's where you had to go you know, go and drink water. Okay, so like, what what year do you think this is? Like nineteen? I'm talking. Well, like I said, I started school in 1956, 56, 57, 58, and 59. Now, from 1960, when we started school, back school from 1960, I'll come out of the third grade to the fourth grade. They had built this this whole high this uh, whole new school over there. Okay. But now, where we had just come from. Uh, uh, that what was considered the high school then, well, it's still that became the elementary school. Okay. Who went to that that new the one they call the New Sherlock School when they built it from at the time we went we went from the fourth grade to the twelfth grade was over there, okay. but the first, second, and third grade was uh was still at the, uh, what it was at that old Sherlock High School. They, that's where they were. But I think at some point they had to move the fourth grade back to that old high school. For, uh, uh, well, they had more. Uh, I mean, what had started happening, other little rural communities around equipment that had small schools that had went through maybe first, second, third, the fourth, whatever, how, how they went, they started closing them schools down. And them kids had to start coming to shell on. As a matter of fact, when we went, uh, when I went to sh- from the third grade to the fourth grade to that new Sherlock building they had just built, it was kids joining us then that we had never seen. We didn't know these kids. These were black kids, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, see, you know, ain't no white, you know, full black and white going to school together. This wasn't no possibility during that time. That that this was something to come on to start and come, coming on later. You know, you talking about. All the way up through, I'm starting school in 56, 50, 50s, and the, and, the, and the early part of the 60s is kind of, I guess, when the, when the rumors of, 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 you know, integration and stuff and change, wanting some change, it kind of started then. Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, you were saying basically they were closing other schools in the area. Do you remember any, the names of any of these schools? Uh, Sher- what was Shirley Jones at? I think Shirley Jones. Uh, was in Shubuda. And that, uh, that's, that's the school that Mother, Mama said that she started off at, at Shirley Jones. Yeah, well, see, Shirley Jones got closed down. Uh, well, like I said, uh, 
when I got to the fourth grade, it was kids. They come, some of them come out of uh, Shirley Jones, out of Shubuda. And uh, I don't know just all of them. Later on, see, that was some schools and stuff like that. I, had, I didn't know anything about these schools. I thought, when I got to the ninth grade, they closed down uh, uh, it was a school called, in a little community called Mount Levy, and they brought a bunch of those, uh, brought them kids up to Sherlock at, at that time. I didn't know, wasn't even aware of this school being, being that, that was called Mount Levy. So basically, Shirley Owens was the school that all the students from all around the community ended up going to. Yeah, well, eventually all within, if I ain't mistaken, within the county of Clark County, over, I don't know when the last one was closed, but he he, he kind of worked out that all them little small school like that got closed down, and them kids were busted to, to Shirley Owens. Okay, well let me ask you this: in comparison to Shirley Owens, what did the the white school buildings look like? Uh, well, I had never been in them. Well, I uh, I went to one of those high schools. I don't went inside at one time. He was doing, I don't know whether it was in 68 or other 69, I had I, I went there. Now, I, some kind of way, it was some books that were supposed to have gone to that white school. They wound up at Shiller Owen, and they couldn't find nobody to take them books down there but me. <laughs> so they gave them to them, gave them to me to go to them. So I, you know, I took them on down there, and uh when I got there, uh, well, I knew where the high school was by the fact that I had to go right by it. When you, when you were on your bus route. Right. right. Yeah. So, I, you know, well, I figured, well, I, 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 didn't, I was hoping it didn't happen, which it didn't. But I know when I got there and pulled up there, it was some kids. They was, it was kind of some steps that they was kind of sitting out there. Uh-huh. And uh, when I got off that bus and walked up there, they, they were there. And see, they just kind of got up and moved out of the way. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine so. You got a six foot three, six foot four black kid, well, you know, walking up to the building, so maybe, maybe, maybe a little in- intimidated. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Uh, what, I don't remember now whether I asked any of them what were the office, or I, I know I went and went inside of there. Yeah. So what did, what did the inside of that school look like? You know. Well, he didn't. He didn't look like anything I were uh, were used to, and I didn't. I don't just remember right right now. I, whoever the lady or whoever I talked to in there, I told them what I was down there for. They had some books that they went to came to Shiloh, and they asked me to bring them down there. And you know, I just went and got the books and brought them in that tomb, and I and I and I left there. Well, in, in your short time, you know, walking in the building, like did it did it look better than? It, well, yeah, yeah. It looked better than the For the what I saw, I didn't see very much of it. I was only there for a short period of time. I wasn't going to go on. I didn't go on and ask some people, can I, could I take a tour around the, <laughs> inside the building? You know, that, 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 that change hadn't taken place at that time. Okay. Well, uh, it talk, I've talked to you before about this. And basically in 19, in the middle of the 1969, six, uh, excuse me, in the middle of the 1969-70 school year, is when they basically forced the integration, which was the year that uh, Mama graduated. Yeah, and you were part of that last class to graduate from Shirley Owens. Yeah, we so, were the last class. So, during your time in high school, did you hear any talk of them forcing the integration, or did they, well, or did you know that you were going to be the last? I remember those teachers at Shirley Owens that there. 
I, I can't, I don't remember them really saying too much about that. Now, what I do know had happened, I don't remember what year this started. It was in the 60s. They started sending us a letter. Uh, basically, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was giving you an opportunity, right, that you could go to either one of those schools. Okay. Now, I, like I said, I don't remember what year it started, but I really wasn't, I wasn't really interested in that myself. So you, you had no interest in going to the white well, school? No, because what, what we had been told about that white school, that them kids were so much far advanced than we were. Okay, you telling me that, then you're going to ask off for me to go down there. I'm doing my best to, to, to graduate through Sheila Owen. What am I, you know, I, I knew, I, well, I had no intention of going down there. It, it wasn't anything that I was looking forward to or anything. I, I, I had no intention of doing that. So at, at this time, it was it was still voluntary. At that me. at that point, it was still voluntary. Well, actually, it was voluntary. It was still voluntary all the way up until uh, the class of, of 1970, all the way through the year of 1969. It was it was voluntary. Now after and now from. January of 1970, there wasn't no volunteering anymore. That's when they, that's when they made that complete change. So, in 1968, when you were getting ready to start your senior year, did you know that you were going to be in that last graduating class? Or no, I, I, I didn't know that. So I really, that, so really, none of this, the forced integration, nobody knew about this until. I would have thought that. Uh, that class of 69, I, I mean, uh, 68, not well, I'm going backwards. Uh, the graduating class of 1970, I was surprised when I said that. They would have had to, they, well, they knew that, that at some point they knew that when they, when they went out for the Christmas holiday in 1969, when they would come back, they wasn't coming back to Sherlock Orr. They were going to, they were going, well, I knew it as Zach Huggins. Okay. They, they they had to know you know they ain't just uh, told them bus driver them bus driver picked them kids up home uh the day go in in January going back to school and just took them down to Zach Huggins they they had to know this okay so kind of going back to you were saying it was voluntary up until that point did any of your older brothers and sisters think about going to Zach Huggins I don't well. Well, at that at that time, I was I was the oldest one to see her going to school at that time. Okay, yeah, I forgot because uh, so it's I mean, let me let me remember this: Willie, Roy, and and Reed, that was he. They they were they were grown then. They weren't going to school. I was the oldest one at that time, still going to school. So Red was like right up was right above you then. Roy, then Willie. Willie. So, what what year did did they graduate? Do you remember? Well, Willie, I think Willie graduated in '65. Roy was '67. Well, Red, uh, wrong. Roy would have been '66. Red was would have graduated in '67, but it, I don't know. I don't remember what year he he didn't graduate. He didn't finish school. Okay. But well, left me. I was the only one. Uh, uh, I was the only one left at, uh, going at that time, and then, well, like from so, you know, he, that letter then just I don't, 
he couldn't have been. I don't think it just came to me. I believe it came to notify any of us that we could have gone to that quiet school. No one, no one did. Uh, some of the younger ones, you know, uh, bef before they fully integrated that school. Now, some of the younger ones did start going to uh, that white school. Really? Yeah. Well, I know, well. If I ain't, well, I know I can remember Larry going to that white school. Uh, and this was before 1970. Yeah, this okay. was before 1970. Because, you know, he, uh, him, him being down there, well, he, he seemed to have been okay with it and everything. And out of him going to school, and he couldn't bring nothing back from that school but some white rats. <laughs> what? He, I don't know what they give him. They was some white rat, and the thing had red eyes. <laughs> so he was walking around with a white rat and with red eyes at home. Yeah, he had a couple of them things, and you know that thing wouldn't go outside. You could open that door. Well, I'm gonna let the thing out and let them get away from. Me. I ain't, you know, rat wasn't wasn't nothing for to me. They ain't wasn't nothing. To, that I wanted as a pet. You open that door, that thing, or go there to that door, turn around and come back. <laughs> but I know Larry. Uh, I think I, I did talk to Larry. Larry said now he started school at Shirley Owens. But then but he, before I left going to school, Larry had been going down to uh, Zach Huggins for at least a, that year or, or a couple of years. One or two years, Larry had been going to school down at, at uh, Zach Huggins. Okay. Um, now you don't you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. I just want to ask it anyway. You graduated in '69, but you what year were you supposed to graduate? I uh, scheduled to graduate in in '68. Okay. That would have from you know from from the '56 year when I started for 12 year would have taken. I would have graduated in '68. Okay. So why did why did it take you an extra year? Well, when I was in the ninth grade, we planted more cotton that year than we normally planted. <laughs> okay, and I, I didn't. Well, I didn't go to school. You know, I knew early on that I wasn't going to be able to graduate. I I don't exactly remember this. My school, my homeroom teacher at the time, I knew it was a lady, but I, I believe it was Miss Ross. I'm not sure who it was. Because she had told me, you know, early on that I wouldn't be able to graduate. Well, I had to make a decision at that point, you know, whether I wanted to f go ahead and finish high school. Was he like, you know, Red had dropped out and he was working and stuff. I made the decision, you know, you know, you talking about doing the ninth grade again, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. I tried to go ahead on and finish. Okay, so your sister. She was scheduled to graduate in 1969. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that like going to school with your sister? At first, you know, he was kind of embarrassing somewhat at first, but well, she was helpful to me. <laughs> True, <laughs> she helped me a whole lot. <laughs> okay, so, so shout out to Aunt Sophie. I'm gonna try and talk to her when I go down there to <laughs> get some uh, some information from her. Um, so, basically, you, you never had any want to go to Zach Huggins, the, the white school at all? No, no, no. I, uh, well, see, even in what I'm talking about is when I had stayed, was in the ninth grade for the two years in making that decision, that, 
I, I don't remember that wasn't an option even at then. Well, see, that was one of the things I'm saying. I'm, I'm doing my best to get out, you know, to graduate through Sheila Owens. Right. And what I had heard about Zach Huggin, that, you know, saying them kids were so much advanced, more advanced than we were, well, I wasn't want to, I, I would want to, you know, go. I made a decision to graduate, not to just stay in school a whole my life. <laughs> I wanted to, drive, you know, wanted to graduate. And it, and it just didn't seem like I would have been able to do that down there. Well, let me ask you Let me ask you about that. You were saying that basically they were telling you that the school and the students at Zach Huggins were more advanced than than the black students were. Yeah, that's what we were told. Like, do, do you believe that was true? I come to find out it wasn't true. And, and I, and I, and I kind of, I recently figured out the, the difference why. And why is that? Now, I'm going to have to tell you, you know, talking to my youngest sister, and from what she told me. Wait, wait, wait it's about Joanne? Yeah. Okay. I'm talking to her, and uh, when you talk to her, you're going you gonna to hear a whole lot of stuff that I can't explain to you. I won't be able to explain it to you. She had, exp- had told me, uh, recently had told me, you know, that that, that wasn't true. And she explained why, but I let her explain that to you. I remember some years back, I know it was Bobby, if I'm not mistaken. I was I was curious about that and I asked him, because you know, Bobby supposed he he's supposed to have been pretty good in school <laughs> and stuff. And I guess he to me he when I asked him that question, he seemed to I got that I kind of to me I kind of thought he was thinking it, it was kind of a stupid question. Well, he ain't well. Evidently, he ain't seen no difference. I asked Larry about that. He was he didn't. He said it wasn't no difference. But I know what I know what made the difference. I didn't know it then when I was going to school. But I know what made the difference. Here with them teachers at that school. That's who made the difference. And where you know where we went to school, there was teachers there that was knowledgeable of what they taught. And they cared about what they taught. That's where the difference was made in us in in in, in the white in the white school. Them kids at that white school. Now, I would say this that I, and I believe they had a more of an opportunity to further their education in a way. Right. We if you know if now see that was a loss of kids that come through Sheldon. They was committed to to uh you know, to further their education. Right. And even I would say right now, college really is not for everybody. Everybody ain't going to go to college. Right. It would be good if we did, but I tell and I, and if I get a chance to talk to any of them teachers at our school, again, they the one made the difference for whatever education I got, my wife got, and everybody else, it was from them teachers that come through, that come through Shell Owens. It was few of them teaching them teachers was educated at Shell Owen. But that's what made the difference. We, I'm going to say we, but I know I didn't know it at the time. Right. But that's what made the difference. So um, we were talking before, and I forgot which, which one of your sisters it was when the integration happened. Basically, what you, I think what you told me was is that, I want to say it was Dorothy, that when she transferred over to the other school, it comes out that 
she had more credits than the student, the white students had at that high school at that point. Okay, Joy, if you if you remember that, and I can see Joanne seemed to have more information and stuff about this than that I had ever heard. She was able to explain that that. Uh, I remember mentioning about what you know they were saying them kids were so much advanced and we were. She said when they fully integrated that school and brought them black kids from Shellon down to to Zach Huggins, they found out that the, them a lot of them kids that came from from Shellon, uh, they uh, you had to have uh, what 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 was the knowledge you in order to graduate from school you you had to have uh. Like so a, many points or something, right. more many credits. That's what you had to have. So many credits. Now, what that what that affected Dorothy? Dorothy would have wouldn't have her graduation time would have been in in uh seventy like one uh, in seventy one. The way she was able to graduate in seventy, she already she in a lot. Well, if she had them kind of credits. That class had that kind of credits. Them kids had more credits than them white kids had. So that's why they graduated. And that's, what joined, yeah, that's what joined. Yeah, that's what joined. That's what joined. And I and I kind of think part of it too. Uh, when you was kind of you know you were kind of how did they, you know, all these kids where you was and and this and that. I I kind of now it's just me thinking that them people waited to the last as long as they could before they kind of, you know uh, grad, uh, integrated them schools and wasn't prepared for the amount of kids that come up on them at one time. And then finding out that here you got these kids here, uh, well, see, the, cla the class that graduated in 70, it wasn't, wasn't nothing to do but for them to finish on, just finish out that year. Right. But now here you got another class coming behind you here you really ain't got the room for these kids. There's too many of them. But these kids here got, already got all these credits and stuff. And Joanne said it herself, kind of. They figured out it wouldn't have been fair to them to keep them kids there for another year. And basically, you they was only going to be taking one or two courses just to be there. So they, sit, they set up this thing where them kids could go to school during the summer and graduate. And I think, a, I don't know how many of them did that. But uh, that, that, well, see, that put that whole 1970 class, well, they was gone. And here, that 71 class, uh, 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 lots of them, by them having the classes in the summer, that meant they was gone, too. That, that freed up some room and stuff for them to, uh, you know, to kind of figure out just how they were going to have this thing to work. So, basically, it, it kind of gave, like, the school system, like, a year to kind of, you know, give, give them like a year to kind of get everything together. Yeah, that, that's what I see what happened, what happened when they found out them kids. Now, it would probably been a different story that if that class that was supposed to graduate in 71, if they'd have had to stay, had to, have to stay, they, they well, they probably, they'd have got it done if they probably had to get some trailers and stuff for classes and stuff for them. They'd have got it done. But, you know, why keep them kids there for a whole year to, and the only thing they're going to take is maybe one or two classes and that's what they were faced with. But, you know, after that year, they they, they, they got it all kind of straightened out as to how it was working and stuff. Okay. Well, let's go back to, to your senior year, the class of 1969. Um, I, asked, I asked Mom this question I want to ask, ask you. Um, what was your senior prom like? 
that was it was well what a, what the norm of prom would would be. Uh, I don't really remember a whole lot of details about it, okay. but it was just what a senior prom would be. Well, so so where was the senior prom? It was at Sherlock Woods in our gymnasium. Okay. Well, at this time you had two schools going on. You had the Shirley Owens High School and you had Zach Huggins High School where the white students went. Where was the the senior prom for uh, the Zach Huggins students? I have no idea. We would, you know, we that question would would to, to, for that question to be answered. See, I wouldn't know. Well, I never went to school with white kids. Okay. I, that I wouldn't know and when they had a senior prom or where it was at or anything. Uh, well, uh, let me, well, Mama said it in her year, they had it at the, uh, the National, the National Guard. Well, see, and I asked normally Bob, they would have had, if they'd have stayed at Sheldon Owens, they'd have had it there at Sheldon Owens. Uh, where the problem came come in at, I'm, I'm assuming them white kids did have a prom. Do well, you know it was just a, right. a normal every end of the year thing that they would have a prom. Now you got white kids that were well quite naturally whatever the procedure and thing how it was done they had said so they, they said so they already had that they know that was there that what there was gonna be right now all of them classes uh, that seventy class they the one was out of place they wasn't. They wasn't at Sheryl Owens anymore. That's that that was gone. That right. uh, they that it was some kids went to that that school up there. That wasn't no high school anymore. It wasn't. I don't know what I don't know whether they had an option that they could have had the prom there or not. But they, you know, that National Guard Army were down there. They have different things down there. So I guess that was the best decision and where they could go and have a prom at. Okay. Now, where how it worked after that, I have no idea. Okay. Well, let me. Okay, I'm, it's a lot of y'all, so I gotta I gotta keep remembering uh, how it goes. So it was you, Sophie, Jean, Dorothy, right? Mm-hmm. So who was right after Aunt Dorothy? Grip. Grip. What year did Grip graduate? You know. Well, it had been five years, uh, six, eight, nine, seven, seven, one, seven, two, seven. He had to graduate about 72 or 73. Okay. So after grip. Larry. You know what year he graduated? I believe Larry, uh, I think Larry told me he graduated in 73, but see, Larry told me something too I didn't know. He said he was in the first grade two years. Really? He was at Sherlock when I didn't know I didn't know that. Okay, I guess I gotta talk to Larry too. <laughs> well well, yeah, 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 you you need to talk to him. But he said he was in the first grade for two years. But I I didn't know that. Okay. So what because he gripped well see from the time well like Gene, Dorothy, and, and, uh Gene, Dorothy, Grip. And Larry, uh, I don't know what year Joanne graduated. But she was, after I graduated 69, coming on through, it was a bunch of them kind of grad, should have been graduating basically kind of every every year after that. Okay. And in your time in Quitman or at Shirley Owens or just your, your whole 
time before you left from down there. Do you ever remember having any situations came up where you were personally like discriminated against by white people or any racial situations that happened specifically to you down there? No, 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 okay. not not no. I don't I don't remember. It, it, now the environment of it was there, but personally, no. Okay. Um. In, in your time being down there, do you remember? Because Jim Crow was still going on at this time. Yeah. So do you remember the the separation, like not being able to go into certain buildings and not being able to go to certain restaurants or? Um, different water fountains and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was still that was still there too. That so, kind of stuff. So, did you, did you understand it when you were younger? Well, no, not really. You just knew that that's the way things was, and you didn't really question it. You know who were, who was it that you were going to question? You know, young and going, and you know, growing up even in that. Environment, see that environment and stuff like it was there when I was born. I and I grew up in it. Even you know, you you learn you know this is this is the way things are. So did, did Paul Jim or Aunt Gray? Okay, side question. Why do why do everybody call her Aunt Gray? <laughs> well, let's see. And just for the listener, that's my grandmother <clears throat> and that's your mother. But everybody calls her Aunt Gray. Well, some of the young ones, they started calling them uh, mama. I think from Claude on down, I think from Willie to Joanne, do then from Claude down to David, I think they, they were saying mama, they they would have called angry, but uh, I think when they were, they, they went to what kind of like, what they, they had started preschool uh, uh, down there, and, and I think the lady that took him, picked them up and taking them to school and stuff, she kind of stopped them from calls from saying that. And to me, I don't think it was right because it wasn't her business. What you call it, you know? And Gray didn't complain about it. If she, if she didn't like it, she would have told you was had Willie because it started with him. Right. When I come along, that's what was being said. But, but to me, he was saying the same thing as I was saying, Mama, Mother, Muddy, or whatever. But do you know why she was called Gray by everybody? <laughs> Well, now some of them she was they, you know, they, she really was they aunt. But for us, she was our mother. Right, and that's what I understand. It's like, cause I remember when I was young, I used to call her Grandma Gray. But then I just kept hearing like people say Aunt Gray, and I'm like, wait, that's your mama though. Why are you calling her Aunt Gray? <laughs> well, now he started with Willie. Now what I was told uh, was he uh, daddy's sisters and brother and had kids older than Willie was, and that's what they called her. And he started calling her that too. But what is strange about it, they would call daddy Uncle Jim, but he didn't call daddy Uncle Jim. He called him daddy. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just always wondered about that. But my uh, the original question was is like, so did Aunt Gray and Paul Jim ever have to have like a talk with you about how things were? No, how how no. you, or how you you know, deal with white people when when you're in town or, you know, no. how how things were different between black and white people at that time or it was just no you you was you were raised in that environment, 
Now, the only thing, uh, well, they taught me, you know, you be res respectful to older people. You know, you couldn't just be calling old, uh, older people. You know, you didn't just call them. Like they said, I would call you Devin, you know, depending on who you was and stuff. And uh, what age, you know, you'd be Mr. Devin. That, they didn't say it said you do that specifically to white people and not to black people. But there was the, the environment of going up down there that a person, uh, a white person, you say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to them. But I ain't never dead on either one. I don't remember them ever telling, I don't remember them telling me that I had to say yes, sir, and yes, yes, yes sir, and yeah, no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to white people. But that was the environment. You would, you basically would, kind of do it, I guess, from hearing other black people saying that to whoever this white person were, you would say that to them. But I could, but uh, I do remember. Uh, as I got older, I took it on to myself when people asked me something. I would just tell them yes or no, and none of them, none of them never questioned me about it. The only time I kind of remember something similar to that was, uh, well, actually, this man, he really was our uncle. He was married to uh, our, grandpa, our grandfather's sister. He really was our uncle by marriage. Uh, he was this two white guys. Right as you come out of that rocky community, there was some white people live there. Them people had two sons, Tommy and Aaron. And I remember him telling me one day that uh, said said Tommy was I don't know how old 20, 20 21 or whatever. He told me he said I had to start saying yes sir and no sir to him. I told him I didn't have to say anything to Tommy. I ain't, had, I ain't really didn't have to talk to Tommy. And if I don't, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. And I wasn't gonna say no yes sir to him either. He was somebody as well, long as I can remember. I remember Tommy. I wouldn't know him now if I saw him, but uh, him and Aaron Bow, I probably wouldn't know either one of them. But I wasn't going to say no yes sir and no sir to him. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a quick question about when you were saying that basically the schools were sending out letters about you can go to um, the white schools or you can basically go to any school you wanted to at that point. Yep. Did Aunt Gray or Paul Jim have any, any thoughts or any you know, did they tell you anything that they wanted you to go to these schools or you say you can go wherever you wanted to? What, what, what was their opinions about going to um, either Shirley Owens or Zach Huggins? I don't remember. I don't remember them having any discussion with well, me about either one of them. Even if they did, I wasn't going to go anyway. <laughs> you know, that wasn't no, it wasn't no question about it. I wasn't, wasn't going to go. Uh, okay, <laughs> I guess I guess that's that then. Oh, well, you know, it, in that whole community, n n the only kids that you know went to the, them kids, it was two times kids of that community went to Zach Huggins. Some of them, okay, like Larry. Now Larry, he started school at Sheldon Owen, and he went to Sheldon Owen for maybe two two or three years. I'm thinking more like two because he said he was in the first grade for two years. Right. Uh, and then, you know, uh, 
them kids stuff when they they got so kind of after that them kids when they got out of Joanne well see jo Joanne started the school in, at uh at Zach Huggins and that school hadn't it hadn't been fully integrated at that time it was coming to er the younger one either like Larry he went to Shiloh for some the first you know two maybe three years. And for whatever reason, I don't know whether he just wanted to go and told him to go. I don't I don't know, but I know he went. That's where he went. He started at Shirley Owens. So wait, so Joanne, she started at, at Zach Huggins before nineteen seventy as well? Yeah. So yeah, that's kinda of what I'm trying to figure out. Was that I'm 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 assuming that they were really, really young at this point. They were. Was he joining? That's what she started. That's what she started school with Larry. You know, he had, uh, what, uh, six, seven, eight. You know, you're talking about like eight or nine years old. So at this point, basically, Aunt Gray and Pa Jim are they're together. They wanted Joanne, Larry, and everybody after that to kind of go to Zach Huggins at that point. Equipment consolidated. Or equipment consolidated well, schools. Okay. See, well, yes, that's what they had changed in name. See, I didn't really know that school as being equipment consolidated. But basically, it was, it, it, it was, you know, at that point, this change had started taking place. Right. It just wasn't, uh, well, so for me, it wasn't an option. It, the option, well, the option came in with with uh, Nile and them class, that class that were gonna graduate, that started that nineteen sixty nine year. That's when the uh, it wasn't an option. Right. The option, I don't know. I don't know. Them people had to know that early on. So now, whether they sent them a letter that year, it wouldn't have made any difference whether they sent sent them one that year or not, right. because this this thing this integration thing was gonna take place. But you go back some years before then, mm -hmm. there was some kids, like I said, cause even the 68, the 68, 69 year when I drove that school, but I took, it, it was some kids already going to school at a, called the year I drove the school bus, my cousin Willie Prince drove that, that, that particular route. I drove 68, 69. He had driven that, that route before. Um, I don't remember just how many years he drove it, but he would take it. was some of the kids already were going to school out as, as at the time it would have been Zach Huggins. They was already going to school out of I wasn't the first one to taking some kids them kids down to that white school. Did you ever take any of your brothers and sisters to those schools? Then they, they didn't ride the bus I would drove. Okay. But they the you saying there was a guy in the in the community too. Yeah, he had to go there too. So he 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 took your brothers and sisters to those schools at that time? Yeah, that's what he would have taken uh Joanne when she started, Larry. And and it might have been some had already started there before then, I'm not sure. And some on the on the other McKenzie side too, probably? Yeah, well Joanne, her and her and Janet was in the same they were the same age. I don't know whether there's any Body over there would have been the same age as Larry, but I know Joanne and Janet. Well, see, Joanne, if you, when you talk to her, she I'm quite sure she's going to tell you the story about when her and Janet started school. And who Who's Janet? She, one of the other McKenzie? Yeah, she, uh, she the same age as Joanne, but she was in the other McKenzie family. And they, they both went to Right, Zach they both went okay. to Zach Huggins. But wherever how many of them it was, it wasn't that many of them. She was talking about, I, I'm going to say 10 kids. I don't know how many of them it was. She okay. probably can 
give you a better, well, I know she can give you a better account of it than I can. But she's seen the pass out of the first grade, but then when she got to the second grade, which I didn't know, said, they, you know, well, she would want them to pass. Well, it seemed like maybe she had to give you the exact figure. Like, it was kind of like maybe six or seven out of ten of them didn't pass. Really? Well, I think Janet was one of them that did pass when she was one of them that didn't pass. You know, when she told me that, now, I ain't got no proof. It's something, it's something, it's something, seeing something wrong with that. Right. It, that way it sounds now, you know. And yeah, I, I'll definitely uh, talk to her about that to get, get to the side of the story. But uh, going back to the, the original question I asked, like I said, this letter was going out saying that you can go to the schools and oh, yeah. basically for you, you and Sophie, you and basically uh, Willie, Red, Roy, and basically all the older kids, they decided they didn't want to go to the, the the, I don't know whether Willie even got that letter or not. I, 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 but basically, I all, all you, all all of you graduated from Shirley Owens, right? Okay. All so, way, well, all the way from Willie Roy. That's what when I read. I know he didn't, right? But Willie Roy read me Sophie. That's what we 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 was you know. And really, Gene and Dorothy, y'all wanted to stay at Shirley Owens. Yeah, well, I did. I, I know I did, and I know they didn't go either. I don't think Willie had that. Uh, it, it wasn't no integration thing for that time for Willie. He was, well, he just graduated from some chill on. Well, here's what I'm trying to figure out. So basically, all of you that were in high school or older, basically, y'all stayed at at the right. at the junior high and high school at Shirley Owens. Right. Well, apparently, during this time before the full integration, you're saying Larry. Uh, Joanne and basically the ones down up until 70, they went to Zach Huggins, right? Before 1970. Uh, it, like I said, I think it, where it started at going to Zach, to Zach Huggins, either, well, see, I'm not sure that Larry and Joanne went down there the same year, even though Larry started at Sherlock Owens. But this was, but this was before 1970. Oh yeah, they were so, so this was four, a, six, they were both four sixty nine, four sixty eight, four sixty seven. So this was an option at this point. Yeah. So what I'm trying to figure out is what was the decision that Paul Jim and Gray made to send them to the school? Because like you said, you had a choice. You said you wasn't going. <laughs> so what do you do? You know what was the decision made by Aunt Gray and Paul Jim to send? Uh, Larry and Joanne to the integrated schools when it was an option at that point and it wasn't forced? <laughs> I, I don't really I don't really know for sure but I would, I, would, I would my opinion would be when it came available well see all the way down to Grip Grip probably he probably can tell you he, he was well see he was going to school at Sheldon and stuff uh, he didn't go to it go. He was in the in the 1970 integration, right? Uh, he had all the way down to him that uh, that was that option. Larry had to be the one that only one for whatever reason, whether they told him or he just or he said he wanted to go. I don't know. He was one of them that taken that. And Joanne uh, at that time was well, he's not like I said. Well, not only Joanne was well, Janet. And uh, well, they had, and, uh, that was some more kids that were 
I can't remember how many of them kids I dropped off down there, but it was more than Joanne. Uh, well, I didn't drop Joanne off down there anyway, but I dropped some kids off down right. there. It had to be Janet, uh, probably Gregory. It could have been, I don't whether, I don't remember where Tony, where she went at, and Bird, uh, uh, Jeffrey. It was one of them kids. It was several kids I dropped off down there. So, and you might, honestly, you might not even care to this time because you're probably too busy trying to get out of high school yourself. But was there like, and, and you got to remember too, at this time, like it's a small community and a lot of times everything happens at the church. So I'm assuming all these people went to the church too, right? Down there. What do you mean went to the church? All these people, the people in the community that were going to the school, they were at church on Sundays, right? Well, pretty much, yeah. So was there ever like a, like meetings between the parents no. about sending their kids over to Zach Huggins I, or anything I, like that? Or did you ever hear any talk about no. we want our kids to go to Zach Huggins and, and why no. why they would send their kids to Zach Huggins? I, I don't remember any such a meeting and, ha- and them having such anything like that. But I, I go back to the best that now. It's just this me. Now, I don't know. I can't tell you, you know, who, who or how the decision was made to send, well, Larry, Larry to go down there then. Joanne, she started down there. Yeah, why, why do you, why do you think this was made? go back to, see, the, the parents knew this too, that that, that uh, it was supposedly them kids were getting a better education than we were. Okay. Supposedly getting a better education. So from grip on, you know, uh, they probably had to put grip in a straitjacket to send him down there too, just like they had to do me. But uh, <laughs> they... Well, see, you know, Larry, Joanne, them, then see, they, they basically it wasn't, it really wasn't a choice at that, at that point. They, uh, Larry, they might have, you know, whatever discussion with him that you can go and maybe if you want to, are we going to send you down on down there? Well, but Larry was like, you said Larry was like, what, seven, eight years old at this time? So, well, he had, he had to be somewhere around about eight, about eight years old. So would he, would he even had a choice in the matter or would they just say, you going to this school I, now? Again, I don't really know. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, just, just your opinion of your parents. Do you think they asked them, like, hey, Larry, do you well, want <laughs> at a younger age, if they just told me that while I was going to school, you know, I wasn't going to question them. I ain't going. Y'all going to see. When they sent me that letter, you know, I had I had to be in my teens. I, I knew I wasn't going to be going down to no show. Okay. Well, they even later sent me that. Because at the time, I was riding that bus with Con Ludra. And if we got and they put me on the bus and told me to go down to Zach Hook and I got, I wouldn't have got off of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's let's just transition into uh, another question I had. So you graduated what May of two thousand and sixty nine, right? May June nineteen sixty nine. May nineteen, not two thousand sixty nine. 2069. That's it. I said 2000. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> May of 1969. So, after you graduated, like, what, what, where did you go from there? What was your, your next move after that? I was there at home for a few weeks and I was working, getting me some money to get ready to leave. So, where were you going? I went to Chester, Pennsylvania. Okay. So, what did you do in, in Chester, Pennsylvania? I uh, worked for a uh, company, Delaware Supply Company. They uh, supplied building materials and stuff to, you know, 
where they were building houses or people doing, you know, remodeling their houses and stuff. Kind of, it was a small thing, scale thing, kind of like Home Depot stuff, like place like that. Okay. And was Willie living there at the time? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's who you that's who you stayed with for a while. Yeah, all the time I was there, I never lived with Willie. So how, how long did you stay in in Chester? The mean streets of Chester. I had to get there uh, about, about somewhere around the 1st of June when I got there, and I left them over there around about the 1st of September. And where did you go from there? I came to Detroit. Okay. So who was here in Detroit that you, that you knew? Well, I came and I, was, I stayed with Tatum uh, when I come here. That's who I was staying with. But who, who's, who's Tatum? He's my first cousin. Okay. His name is Levesta. Le- 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 Okay. Everybody call him Tater. So what what brought you to Detroit? A better paying job. And what job was that? Well, the wages and stuff was here was I knew they was higher than you know for what I was making in Chester. I could have stayed in Mississippi and made that. Oh, so you, you didn't you didn't come here for a specific job? You just came here because you knew the jobs pay more. Right. Uh, well, it's, well. At at the time, it really wasn't hard to find a job. It, you know, it wasn't no hard, really hard to find it. You know, you you necessarily not necessarily everybody you came, you went to where you, you know somewhere and put in the application, you got hired. But basically, that's what happened to me. I came to Detroit one day, and uh, well, again, I have to thank Tatum, which I did. Uh, you know, for helping me out. He the one picked me up at the bus station. I stayed with him. Next morning, he got up and took me down to Cadillac. And uh, he got there. It was a line of people there going into that. Uh, 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 wow. They, ain't, they don't do that so long. I forgot what the, what the name of the office called, where you get hired and stuff. Some of them, you go in there, they give them an application, send them out. Then some of them, they give them and send them back to this room here. I'm thinking, I guess I didn't know any better. I'm thinking, man, I'm people just going to send me back out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me an application and sent me on back there to fill it out. And, and see, that thing had stuff on there. I didn't know what the heck they were talking <laughs> I don't know how Taylor got back there. He came back there where I was and helped me get feel the thing out and everything. You know, y'all, you don't need to do this and that, and you feel this out and all and all of that. And I got hired the same day. Did you start working the same day? Yeah, they told me, asked me, said, "Well, when can you start?" I thought they gonna be say something like, you know, come back tomorrow or something. They would be back here this evening at, I believe, at four four thirty, <laughs> which was strange to me because you know you that kind of time, that kind of day was the time you should have been going home. Not going to work, <laughs> but you know they hired me. Also, wasn't you know I was thankful that they did hire me. So you started off on on a second shift. Yeah, I started on second shift, and I got used to it. I, and I and I liked it. I ain't want nothing to do with no first shift. I understand. <laughs> so this this was what September September nineteen sixty nine. So. How long did you work there? Where? At uh, Cadillac. Or let's just say General Motors in general. Well, I worked for General Motors itself uh, from the time I got hired in 1969 for for 46 years. uh, 
what, 11 days, 11 months, not seven months and 11 days. And so you just recently retired. Yeah. So what's it like putting in 46 years at General Motors? 46 years, but seven months, 11 days. Well, it, eight hours. <laughs> well, I had to put it in somewhere. And that's where, well, actually, and go back. And I, when I came to uh, Detroit, I didn't really come here to stay. Really? Oh, I didn't. I wasn't gonna. My intention was to go back to Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think you said you were waiting on a job. Yeah, well, you I put in an application yeah, somewhere well, there. I, uh, I wanted the kind of job Willie had at the time what, when what? I was there. Willie was working on a ship. Really? Uh, and it, well, you know, I I could see what it was bad for him, but it wouldn't have been bad for me because I wasn't married at the time. Because he would be on that ship when he left out of Chester, wherever they went. He was gone from 12 to 15 days and come back. And when he got off and come on, he was only home like 12, 15 hours. He had to get back on that ship and leave again. Wow. What kind of work was he doing? I mean, what? They they were, go, they were hauling uh, crude oil. Really? Is, is that company still around? I guess it is. It was, he worked for, I think it was Sun Oil. I don't know the history about him and stuff. Okay. But the, uh, I noticed uh, uh, the, when I was just over there, when we come out of from Chester from that park and stuff and coming down that, going back down to Delaware, I seen a lot of refineries and stuff down there. If Sun Oil ain't the one in existence there, somebody is, you know, cause a lot of companies got bought up by others and stuff. So I don't know whether they are or not. But I guess, you know, to go back to Chester for the job, it, it didn't happen. So so that they never called you back or? Well, if either they didn't or uh, they didn't notify me anything. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it just come to a certain point in time. You know, you had to, again, you had to make a decision whether you just going to stay there and do that. Because I wasn't going to quit and go back over there looking for that job. Okay. I didn't find it when I was over there, so I had already had a job. Okay. So, yeah, let's kind of rewind your time in Chester. Your short time in Chester, like, what, it was like, what, four or five months maybe that you were in, in Chester in that area? June, July, August. Well, well, it really wasn't four months. Okay, well, for the short time you were there, like, did you, did you like it over there? Did you kind of like want to settle down there for for a while, or you just? I, I didn't really. I don't think I really knew for sure where I wanted to settle and, and stuff. So you, you know, when you first, especially coming out of the south and stuff, and when you hadn't, you know, hadn't been anywhere, you know, you, you had you had to depend on a whole lot more of somebody being there to help you. Right. And I was thankful for Willie now for helping me. And I'm thankful for, for Tatum and, and Pudding at the time that they helped me. I thank Roy for even helping, for helping me and anybody else that that have helped me along. You know, you, you, know, you, you can't go through this. I don't, it'll be rough going through this life without anybody helping you. I think even a rich person, they have to have some kind of help. All right. So what, was it kind of like a, culture shock coming from Quitman, Mississippi to Chester, Pennsylvania, and then to Detroit. Yeah, well, I wasn't used to living in no city, you know, and having to learn your way around in the in a city and stuff. I didn't know anything about that, you know, even 
sometime I caught the bus and went to work. But see, you know, I, somebody had to show me that. I ain't know about catching old bus going to going to work over there. And it was worse in Detroit <laughs> when I got here for the bus and stuff. But I thank God, you know, I was helped uh, long enough that I was able to get on, kind of get on my own two feet, get my own transportation and stuff. Because he, he, they were saying, God bless the child that got his own. It, it ain't nothing like being able to stand on your own two feet. Kind of a side question. What, what was your very first car you ever had? That was your personal car. I was a 1969 Buick Skylark, <laughs> okay. white. And this was down in Mississippi, right? No, I ain't had no car. I bought the car in Mississippi. I had come here and worked. Uh, a few. I worked while I got in 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 the September, and I went. Uh, had to be in uh, July of, uh, of 1970 when we went on changeover. I went back down to Mississippi and. Uh, and Gray hip helped me get uh, get get the car. Well, you know, she just had to co-sign for a minute. That's, and I, not give me any money. I had money for my down payment. I didn't need a co-sign at the time. So when you were in high school, you didn't have a car? No. So how, how did you get around? Whatever little getting around we had, we had drove daddy's car vehicles. Okay. So... <laughs> it's a story that I heard, and I just I just want to get it on record. Um, apparently, there was a situation where you were driving your your father's vehicle, and uh, an accident happened. <laughs> you mind telling that story? Well, it did. I was driving it, and it was I don't remember what it was a white guy that uh, coming down the road there, and he wasn't looking where he was going, and. Well, you know, the little two-lane hot uh, road. I don't know that thing wasn't even put that. Well, see that ro- that uh, road in in uh, Rocket. It wasn't paved then. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, you know, it was just basically wide enough. If you stay on your side of the road and that person on there, you know, it was all right. But he didn't. I was on mine on the right side, and he ran right right into me. It, it was a head-to-head collision. Pretty much a head-on collision. Uh, well, it wasn't just a bam. It kind of was hit tip from the side. Or what, what he was doing, he was coming. It was a ball game. The other kid, they, they were playing a ball game. He was looking, trying to look at the ball game and drive down the road. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't work like that. You need to be looking where you're going. Right. So, so what happened? Like, he hit you and then... He towed daddy's truck up. He was towed up pretty bad, too. Couldn't drive him. So, so uh, what, what did your father have to say about that? Well, he had gone to, daddy was gone to church, and uh, I don't know, we had, I don't remember who, I think we had that old big paperwood truck or something over there. Somehow, I know we had gotten that truck back that close by the house and stuff. And daddy come in and Gray told me, I said, well, you better tell Jim about this, what happened to the truck. And I told him and, and what he said was, well, go see that you lose my snuff out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for 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 the listeners that might not know what snuff is, <laughs> what, what's snuff? Well, 
Well, actually, it's powdered tobacco. So it's basically like chewing tobacco almost, or yeah. Well, it's it, it, well, that's what it is. To, tobacco that's been well, I don't know. I don't know how they dig. It's in a it's a powder at that time, but I don't see that kind of snuff. They that snuff that they have now, that Copenhagen and stuff in them things. Uh, that stuff is different from what snuff used to be. I, I, I don't know if they still make that kind of snuff or not. It might be. But, so, <laughs> here you are, you got into an accident, messed up his truck. It basically was total, right? Yeah, it total. And all he cared about <laughs> was his snuff. Yeah. Didn't ask if you were okay or how it happened well, or anything well, like that. <laughs> I wasn't mad about him not asking me. I was okay. I wasn't hurt or anything. <laughs> but that's what he said. Go figure you lose my snuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to get that story recorded because that's that's hilarious, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Okay. So let's let's, re, let's let's fast forward back to when you were in Detroit. So what what did you? So you you working at GM, and then you came back to Mississippi to, to buy the car. Was there any other reason you came back to Mississippi? And was it 70, 1970? When you bought well, when you when you bought your car, you said it was not, that Buick Skylight. You said in nineteen seventy. Well, I was on change though when I went back home to visit, and that was my intent. I I needed my own vehicle anyway. Okay, so and it would have been. I knew it would have been easier. So what was that? Getting down there. Was that the only reason you went to uh, Mississippi? Well, now I'm still down there. Oh. So. Food, I, 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 I know I, I, I saw that when I was down there. I'm pretty sure I did. I might not can just remember that specific year, but I'm pretty sure I saw. So, uh, how'd that play out? Like you, you graduated the year before, and then, you know, she was still in, in high school. She had to be in high school for another year after uh, you graduated. So, how did uh, how did it come from you graduating until y'all were married and living in Detroit? Well, boy, her, she, uh, when she come out, graduated in nineteen seventy, the fall of the year, she went went on to college. And I was still up here. I was still in the drawer working. So were y'all still talking to each other? Y'all were y'all still considering y'all boyfriend and girlfriend? Did y'all break up and take a break? Or <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know about the breaking up part and stuff. But I know. I guess we did. We we're still, you know, supposed to be in a, you know, in a relationship, that kind of relationship. But I know. But I, I can tell you this, you know, in a situation like that and being away from a person, you will start growing apart from that person. That I do know. So what what year what year did y'all get married? Seventy two. Seventy two. So from nineteen sixty nine when you graduated to seventy two, you guys were apart or when when did the two of you basically come back together and form? Well, 
the physically seeing him, you know, he would just be about uh, the time when I would go down there. Uh, or you would, I know I would you would be down there probably around July while we were going with the plan called changeover. Right. And you'd be off for a week, two weeks, sometimes three weeks or more. I would go down there and pop me sometime down with down there for I have been down there Christmas maybe once or twice that I can remember. Okay. So so when did it come to the point where you were like, you know what? I'm going down there to get my woman. Now, she might have to tell you that in more accurate detail about that than I did, than I can. But, at, well, the, the, well, I know in, at, for whatever conversation we had and how we had it, she might can remember it better than I can. I knew when I went out and left, left uh, and worked that in in uh December 69 when I left going down there uh, I knew you know that's where I was going down there to get married December 69? not 69 for 72 in okay. 72 December 72 when I uh, got off when I got off work I left and worked going heading to Mississippi heading to Mississippi uh, when I got off work that night but I knew that I knew you know just a, whatever had taken place, that that was that was agreed that we was getting married. All that had taken place. Some well, I know it had to be in somewhere between July and December that uh, that that had taken place. Oh, that June that uh, uh, July of that year, I know Sparky had gotten married uh, down there, and I know I wasn't married. He got married before I did. Okay. <clears throat> so you you basically went you went down that Christmas break specifically to get married to to get your woman. Yep. And you brought her back with you. Oh yeah. Hmm. You couldn't leave Mississippi without her. Okay, everybody. One, two, three. Oh. <laughs> she over in the corner right now acting all bashful. It's funny. <laughs> so. All right, we're gonna start wrapping it up a little bit. But so you brought your brought your wife back, started a family, had uh, four great kids. One in particular, me, <clears throat> probably the greatest of of the bunch. <laughs> and this whole time you were working at, at General Motors, and I'm I'm working at General Motors now. I started working there in 2012, so I kind of have an idea of what it's like to to work there. I'm pretty sure it was a lot harder <laughs> when when you were there. Let's talk about that for a second. Like you you just recently retired this year from when you started working at Cadillac in 1969 up until now how how much of a change has the work been, the work rate at the plant been that you you've noticed over the years? A whole lot of change. It's been a whole lot of changes, more than I can even imagine. Been a lot of changes made. Like, was the work like easier, harder back then, or? Well, for me, what the jobs I had to do, a lot of those jobs to me were kind of like child's play. How so? Well, I was used to doing even harder work than that. 
Coach, some of the jobs that, you know, you had to be trained on the job and stuff, you know, once you get used to them, that, a lot of those jobs would be hard to you at first. And you want you once you get used to them, I know some of the jobs when I first started on, they, everybody started talking about how hard the job was and stuff. Well, I learned the job, and I didn't see where it was all that hard at. Um, well, it kind of makes sense because before that, you were doing cotton and cutting paper well, wood. Know, that one, yeah, I, I was used to even harder work than that, and, you know, you had to do it. Well, it, it's kind of funny you say that because I kind of talking to – I talked to a couple of people at the plant, <clears> and what basically what they were saying is, is that, like you were saying, when you went to apply for the job, there was a line outside the building for people trying to get jobs there. And kind of what, what, what a couple of people would tell me was is that <laughs> basically they would see where you were from. And if you were from the South, pretty much you were guaranteed to get a job because they knew that you were used to actually doing work. So it was saying like a lot of people that came from the South ended up work, working later on that day, like like you said. So like you were saying, it, it was, for you it was easy work. But would you say from, you know, when you started up until the time you retired, would you say the jobs kind of got easier to do? Or was it just? <laughs> well, they might have, but uh, you uh, we we had done got older. So I can remember uh, <clears throat> uh, the process we had over at Cadillac at one time for putting it, because we used to put a full-size spare tire in them cars. Really? Yeah, the tire car you had to, you know, full. It was a full size tire, and that tire, uh, they would do them. Uh, the whole process and other tires were done on the first floor at the old Cadillac plant, but that spare tire would come up on this to the second floor, and we had to get it, put it in the trunk, and bolt it down, and put a, a cover over that tire. And uh, the way we would put it in the trunk of the car, we had a hoist that we pick it up. Put that tire in the trunk of that car. Well, sometimes that horse would break. If something go wrong with it, you still had to put a spare tire in that car. And uh, I, this would have had to been '69 in the early part of the '70s, uh, even into the early well, into the on in into the '70s, kind of maybe. Uh, Louder part of the seventies counterpart when they started putting what they call a space saver tire in that in those cars, but when they were doing that full size tire, you no, know, I used to had would do the job. The horse break, it wasn't no big thing. Cause at that point, I could reach and grab that tire with one hand, pick it up, and come around and sit it right in the trunk of that car. And you would do that until they, you know they got uh, that horse repaired uh, to do it. And I know I left them off of uh, that second floor over there. And I went out to the first floor. Uh, it had to be uh, in the early, I know I was down there in 1980. So it might have been like 79 or somewhere on into the 80s. They were just putting a little small tire in that car. <laughs> and I was doing that job. And this thing was much smaller than that time. But some of them are. Uh, them, them uh, export cars, Saudi Arabia and different places, mm -hmm. they still took that full-size tire. And you've been used to just, now you don't got used to, you just grab that little small tire. It wasn't that heavy, so it wasn't no big thing. Until they come up, one of them cars, one of them export come, over, come up there, 
and you got to put that spare tire. You you go get the thing. Can't hardly pick it up with two hands. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I remember I used to grab that thing and just sit it right in that in that car. Now I can't even hardly pick the thing up. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I don't know whether I, how long I would have lasted on that job. <laughs> it, with a horse, that, you know, you would have been able to do it. All right. Because before doing that, even if they didn't fix to get the horse fixed, it really, uh, I, I would still been able to put them tires in that car. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you about a specific date, January seventh, nineteen eighty five. What do you remember about that day? Boy, that's when you were born. Yes, 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 it is. It's a great day. But uh, <laughs> do you remember whether you were at work that day or not? As far as I can remember, I did go to work because it was at night when I went to the hospital with you. I don't remember now going to the hospital during the day. It always, as I can remember, it was always at night. Okay. Um. So, was I? I was already born, or I hadn't been born yet. That the day when you went to work. What? No, they was. Uh, well, for as I can remember, I had been to, uh, well, I wasn't working afternoon when you were born. I, well, I was working over at Ham Tramman. I was on, I working day shift over there when you was born. Okay, so let me just kind of let the listeners know. You started off at the Cadillac plant, or it was called Clark Street, right? Yes. But that plant was closing, and basically they were bringing two plants together. It was Clark Street and Fleetwood, right? Well, yeah, well, Clark's, Clark, everybody, well, the people, yeah, Clark Street, the people from Fleetwood, that was people coming there from, from, uh, uh, it was old Connor plant, that plant closed down, a lot of people, some people over there came there too. So basically they were consolidating all these plants into one, which is now Detroit Ham's Tramic or DM. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but you were one of the first people working at Deham before it even opened, right? Oh yeah. Well see you were born in eighty five. I was I I went over there in, in eighty four. Clark Street and the mother plant was still running in eighty four and some of them in eighty five. Everybody wasn't on <laughs> a lot of them people didn't come over there until eighty five. I was over there in eighty four. So do you, do you remember the day that it actually started producing cars at, at Deham? Do you you remember like I don't about, remember the specific date uh, around like what would, huh? You remember like around like what what month it was like what time of the year it was? Well, that's kind of hard to pin down because uh, when we got there for a long time, we was in a what we call a prototype room. The only thing we were working on it was the car that were going to be built there. Uh, they brought them up. They well, they brought them out to us. We we was take we were t- we took we were taking them cars apart and putting them back together to find out what kind of problem we were gonna have building those cars. And then after we done did all of that forever, how long a period of time they had brought the kind of what they call a prototype car. They would bring them. They, after we left that room, we they sent us out to our what, what departments we were gonna be in. I was in. Uh, department 1003 uh, and that was well see that that uh, 1003 did, it, it don't that ain't 23 what is that something was different than that uh, well whatever department I went to 
uh, when we got that car, uh, GA1, it, it started in GA1. They did everything they do to that body. Then they sent it to the GA2. They would do their, and I was in GA3. And then we would uh, were practicing, you know, putting our parts and stuff on and building that car. Uh, that went on for quite some time. And at some point, they actually, well, when I say they would do their work, go, they wasn't, that car wasn't on that line at that time. GA1 would do what they going to do. They had to push that car through their department from one one group to the other one and all the way to, to us like that. At some point, they put the car on the line. It, it might not have been but one car on that line. You ever see here to come down that line and it was doing that until we got kind of got started uh, going into production. But we didn't do it in production, really. I think it had to be 85. Like beginning of 85? Or? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, some much stuff went on there and stuff. I don't remember. Well, it was in 85. Well, the reason why I asked that is because, like, the day I was born was January 7th, 1985. And. Whenever I look at people's seniority list, a lot of people's first day at General Motors, on, uh, as far as, you know, at Detroit Hamtramck, was January 7th, 1985. So what I was trying to figure out is, was that the day that the plant like actually opened up, or was that the day that no. it opened up for production? Or no, that, 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 that something would be kind of hard to explain. It, it had to, some of them people, it depend on, where them people come from. See, like I went over when I went over to Hamtramck, I kept my original seniority date from nineteen uh, September the eighteenth, nineteen sixty nine, all the way through. So all them people that got a uh, eighty five seniority date, them people got more seniority than that. Got more cooperation seniority than that. But they but they but at Hamtramck, that's when they seniority date. Started there. Their, their plant seniority. The plant seniority started there, but for their retirement and stuff, it goes before that. It would, yeah, it would be whatever how many years they had before then will count towards that. But uh, it, uh, it'll take some of them committed people and stuff to explain okay. that stuff like that. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out like what happened that day because, like I said, that's like a lot of people's first their their plant seniority date is January seventh, nineteen eighty five, and that's the day I was born. So I was trying to figure out like. If you had to leave work early or anything like that, because you got no, to we wasn't doing that much uh, production and stuff during that time. Okay. A lot of them people when they come over, see them people. A lot of them people would say when they come from Fleetwood or Clark Street and they come over there, they didn't come in that plant. Them people had to go over to uh, it was a place over there in, in Hamtramck on called on Hanley Street. They had to go over there and go through all this. Processing and, stuff and all like that. that stuff, where where they were telling people a bunch of stuff that wasn't true. Yeah, I, I know about that. <laughs> Man, well, uh, let me jump into that real quick. So, May seventh, two thousand and twelve. You know what that that day is? Well, you say you went, you started working in our uh, two thousand twelve. I guess that day you went there. That was my first day at General Motors. Um. So I've I've been there for four and a half years, and I've I've, you know, got my my experiences there. So, what are your thoughts about me working at General Motors? Like when you when you found out when I told you that I got hired in and I started working there, like what what, what was what was going through your mind? Well, I was glad for you that you got a job, you know, and, and uh, well, you call it, you know. 
my thing is really, uh, you know, once you get grown, it's time to get a job to take care of yourself. Okay. So you don't, you, you get like kind of a sense of pride that, you know, you worked there for 46 years and I'm still there and carrying on the McKenzie name at General Motors. <laughs> um, well, I don't know about that. Okay. You know, yeah, I'd have been well. I'd have, if you'd have went in whatever you chose to go in into that you chose to do, you know, in life or whatever job, I would have been proud of that. I it wasn't no, uh, you know, I had in my mind I would, you know, want my son to follow me into General Motors. Now, that I didn't ha didn't have, you know, the fact that that's what you you know you chose that. That's fine with me too. And like I said. It gonna take some time, but it, you know it, it'll pay off. It's gonna take some time, though. Okay. And uh, like I said before, you you just recently retired. So, <clears throat> what's it like to? What was that day like? Your last day at General Motors, knowing that it's the last time I gotta punch this clock and not and <laughs> not come in here anymore. <laughs> I don't know what I really. Uh, explain it. it you know just something that I had been used to doing for years and years going to General Motors that's where I worked made a living at and he done I don't know had I just ever you know gone over in my mind as to what, I, what my expectation would be you know for for leave uh, being the last day I worked out, you know, I knew I, at some point, some way, somehow that, you know, you, it was going to be that last day. Uh, just how it was going to happen and what all going to take place, I don't know. But I thank God I went in and, well, I, 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 I kind of know I was pretty healthy when I went there. <laughs> and I think I come out of there pretty, pretty, pretty healthy and still in good, good health and stuff. Thank God that I was, you know, still had health and strength and get around and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, I was talking to Jeff Shep, who was uh, who was our our committee guy um, during my four about four years I've been. I'm not sure how long before that he had been your committee guy, but uh, you know, me and him, we, we've had quite a few conversations about you. And one thing that we we both knew is that you never took vacation time. Like you were there every single day, so I've always wondered, like, how come you never just took vacation time, just time for yourself, and you know, just say, you know what, I'm take a week off and just not go to work. Yeah, well, I, in a way, I, uh, I it wasn't necessarily an option. I it wasn't it wasn't no need of me taking that time. I I, I was only basically the only provider for the family. And somewhere way back, I had to be, before Sharonda was born, doing, I had to come, you know, and I got married. My wife had to come first before me. Then the kids, they would come, had to come first. If it started with Sharonda, well, then, then that came Kiva, you, and, Shirona, and, and, and Shakia. So everybody, they all had to come first. Now, you know, I met, uh, General Motors been good to me and stuff, but you know, when I first went there, and I thought I was making a whole lot of money, but that, that it wasn't enough to you know to have the money to do all the things that you wanted to. And I 
preferred the fact that uh you know I I was gonna get I was gonna get the money whether I taken the time off or not. And right. I liked the, the fact of having that money. Matter of fact, I looked it forward because when I first went to General Motors, they would on, they they rules were that they only could pay you a thousand dollars in one check. Anything over that thousand, they had to make you another check. Mm-hmm. And it was guys that at the time when I got there, and I knowing that you know when they got vacation check. They got two checks, and I was looking forward to the time when that was how I was able to get the two checks and stuff. And when I remember the first time I got it, he was uh, when we was over on, on Mendota, Toronto ran into that wall going down that hall and in, in, over there in that house. And I don't know for some reason when a tea store shed, they didn't come back straight. And that was one thing I really didn't. I didn't want my kids to have no crooked teeth like that. One of where the two come back, one came in on top of the other one. Instead of them being side by side, they were like that. It was one here and one back there. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get it straightened out and stuff. The dentist I was going to, we took her there. And the man, I don't remember what that dentist's name was. And, uh, cause, well, I think when we took her, the, 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 he, he would because her teeth didn't come back in no reasonable period of time. And the x-ray, and he just said he didn't know whether it was a tooth or a bone there. You know what I'm saying? You know, he dented. He don't know the difference in a tooth and a bone. Right. But somewhat during that process of getting her teeth straightened out and stuff, she had to have some braces. Well, shoot, by the time I got through paying with what that paper on braces, I said so that... That two check and probably part of that small one too. It was about gone. <laughs> so you, so you got your first, uh, first two checks, but couldn't even really enjoy it. Well, you know, time for trying to have to have some braces put on her too. Okay. Well, so so now that you're you're retired, like what what, what are you, what are you doing now? Not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it must be pretty good, you know, just to be able to say, you know what? Just relax. <laughs> well, in a way, it is. Oh, I, I go over to the Costi. I think that's how you say it. And eat, eat dinner pretty often. I don't go every day. Lunch is pretty often. Okay. Um. Well, when you retire, I, as, as I guess kind of a retirement Gif, I decided to take you on a little trip to Atlanta to uh, went to a UFC fight and um, we got to do a couple of activities too. Like what, what, what did you think about about your vacation? Your first vacation ever. It was really nice. It, it really nice. Now you know for what you're taking me for the wrestling. I, I appreciate that, and even. I don't know why I didn't recognize, remember about this thing for Dr. King being down there, but even finding out and stuff as we got there, that, 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 that was really nice, really nice. Yeah, when we were down, well, honestly, I didn't even know it was down there either, but they have a center, basically the whole block that's dedicated to Martin Luther King. It shows the house that he grew up in, the church, the second Ebenezer Baptist Church and uh, museum down there. So, you know, Talk a little bit about about your your experience uh, going to the the museum. 
Well, it, it really, uh, well, of the great people of my era that I knew of somebody that did, actually did something to father us along as a people, to me it was Dr. King. And I admire him for that. You know, uh, I, well, there wasn't nothing I could do about it, but, the, you know, but what happened to him, I, it actually shouldn't have happened to him like that, but it did. And, uh, and I really admire Dr. King because if he hadn't have did what he did, dedicated his life to doing what he had, he had done to father us as a people alone, we I don't think we would be where we even where we are today. Cause it was it from the time when you're talking about back to the fifties and sixties up until now, this is two thousand sixteen. It it's a whole lot of changes have taken place even in down south. Well see the south where where we grew up at, you know, I grew up at, we've been back down there. Here's a whole his it is a completely different. And I've heard a whole lot of other people that were raised up in the South and they go back down there and the way things are uh, for, you know, being different from what we raised. It's, it's, it's completely different. And especially, you know, for between the race and stuff, you, you know, I, that don't mean all racism is, is gone and stuff. It's a right. lot more stuff that we as a people need to work on to better ourselves. Not to just sit and wait and complain about how things are, cause we we actually, as a people, can do more now than what Dr. King had to do back then. You know, I, I uh, like I said, if he hadn't have did that, he just wasn't nobody else at that time would doing could would 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 have did that that I'm a well. Oh, he did. He did more than the people that that is benefiting from it now. A lot of them, to me, they doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Not evidently, they don't realize what how things. Well, they didn't. Well, they wouldn't realize how it was back to the sixties and the fifties and going back because they didn't experience it. They come along at a, in a time when things had changed, and to them, they kind of accepted it as that's the way it been all the time, but it happened. There's a whole lot of people right now can tell the story of, you know, that were born back in, especially into the 40s, the 50s, and grew up in during the time, and then the 60s can tell you a whole different story than how things are right now. Especially, and even especially for us that come out of the South, and we go back down there now, and see how, how things are down there. It's a whole, you, we just about to be lost of how the, it, or the change been made down there. So, for uh, when we were down there at the, the Martin Luther King uh, Memorial, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what was it like for you to walk into the church? Because it was, it was funny, we, we went down there just to see, we were down in the area to see uh, the I guess you would call it a tomb or where, where his body was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were walking, you know, down the street and we didn't realize that that was the second Ebenezer Baptist church. And we were like, like, 
I know it was, it was the second Ebenezer Baptist Church that he was at, but I didn't know that was the church. Yeah. So what was it like walking through the church? Well, it was, you know, it, it brought back a lot of memories of Dr. King and realizing what he had what he had, had done for us as a people. It was really something else. The whole thing down, you know, down there. Uh, it's a, that's some, that, you know, I guess the younger people still wouldn't necessarily realize what what Dr. King did and went through uh, for the fact that even that that uh, where that church at and all where his where he entombed that whole area, that whole block and stuff is about him. It ain't just because this was a, a person that was born and was a preacher, you know. And and you know, well, he he didn't he didn't just die he got you know he was assassinated well he was assassinated right uh but during the time he was here he did i i don't i can't just explain how grateful i am for him for doing what he did and he's done a whole lot more than what than i can explain in anybody else well let me ask you a quick question do you do you remember where you were when you found out he got assassinated? Yeah. Like, I, I don't. To answer your question, no, I don't. And, and and for the life of me, I don't know why. I don't really. Re I remember when he got killed, but into the details as to where I was. But I could go back to 1963 when when President Kennedy got killed. I remember the day. I remember where I was and everything, and, and can talk into into some detail about it. But I I've and I uh, have asked other people my age and stuff around about you know Dr. King. I don't know why we don't really remember in the detail of when where we was and all about when he got killed. And I know he got killed in Memphis. And that was what nineteen sixty. Was it sixty seven or sixty? I think it was sixty eight. Well, see, yeah. So you were what junior in high school at yeah, this time? I but I I don't know why. Wow. I can't. I cannot kind of of uh, my memory and and explaining it kind of in the detail. But Doctor King, but uh, but uh, but uh, President Kennedy, I remembered. Uh, I remember it very well. Wow. Um. So kind of going back to the the, the uh, memorial when we went through the the actual like uh, museum part and you were seeing the Nobel peace prize that he won and all these different artifacts of his, what, like, how did that make you feel? Like, what were you thinking when you were seeing, actually getting to see all this stuff that belonged to him and all these awards that he won? What, what was that like for you? It, <laughs> wow. That he deserved every bit of it. He, he, just the fact uh, <laughs> for, for where we was out of people, and I'm thinking this was a man that really led a movement for we as a, for us as a people to better for us to better ourselves to even be able to, to really say we are just as we just as good. We ain't saying we better than than you. But here's, here's a race, uh, another race of people. They, not necessarily all of them, they have have put us in a, you know, in our place to say you're not as good as we are. 
but Dr. King said that we was, and I and I and, and he he said it, he knew it, and he believed, it, and he did something to change it, and he would have kept on working to, for to better it even farther if he was if he was allowed to live longer than what he did. All right, so to kind of go ahead and wrap this up, um, I talked to Mama about going to the Shirley Owens reunions when I, when I was well, yeah when I was still young. I want to say like ninety two, ninety three is like the first time I ever kind of remember going down there. Um, basically, the students there from, wanted to keep the the memory of Shirley Owens alive and you know remember the good times there and you know just keep everybody together and, you know, come together and just, you know, have all these, um, remembrances of good times at Shirley Owens. Like what did going to those reunions mean to you? It meant a whole lot to me, you know, to seeing people that the kids, you know, well, there ain't no kids anymore, but we all got old now. People <laughs> we went to school with and stuff. Uh, I don't remember exactly what year they started that, but that 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 uh, reunion thing had started some years before we ever went to the first one of them. Uh, they, I'm I'm thinking them people started that in, somewhere into the uh, 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 mid somewhere around the mid seventies. That's my thinking. I'm not for sure. Mm-hmm. We can well, you know, we could we could find out. Now my sister, uh, she probably she probably know it right off the top of her head, but uh, we were down there this uh, this year back in September for it. Uh, here there ain't as many people, cause you know you having people done passed on and stuff, uh, that people that you know they, they don't come anymore and all and all of that. Right. Uh, but it it it's something that still need to be. Uh, need to be carried on as long as it could possibly can, and it need to be put. It, it, what you doing? I mentioned it to my that to my sister. What I gra- graduated from school I means that our class take on that. Basically, what you doing now? The responsibility to tell the story about that. Called now to go back to that Sherlock thing, and uh, when they were sending this, one of you know mentioned by sending the letters out, giving you a choice. That was a, a person I I remember very well that taken that opportunity and went on down to that school. Uh, I'm not well. I know she had to been there the 65, 66 year because that's when she graduated. Now whether she was there. Previous years before that, I don't know. I've seen like it might have been there just that one year, one year. And and you mentioned that uh, in the Brown versus Bo- the Board of Board of Education, it was somebody in that case, Linda. I believe her name was Linda Brown. Br- well, not necessarily Linda Brown. I Brown versus the Board of Education. Right. Well, Linda Brown was the first, especially high school age. Student that went to school down there, and it's about the equipment, right? Okay. Now I know she would have. It, it had to have been the six. We went to, when she started that year for sixty five and graduated in sixty six. It was some people <clears throat> mentioning that about her. When we were down there in September. They be, <clears throat> were saying the same thing I said. 
you know, they knew about and mentioned about them letters that they sent were giving you that choice. But, you know, we were trying to get graduated out of school. But Linda Brown took, she took, she taken the, the challenge and, went, and she did go to school now. Now It was just her. At right. first it was just her, especially into the high school. But I think <clears throat> either, like what I was saying, Larry and Joanna, when they went down there, Somewhere, it, I'm kind of believing some of them is kids. It was, some, I believe, it was some kids down there that went out of Zach Hood and was in that elementary school before Linda Brown went to Zach Hugging High School. I, I'm not sure, but if she, if the, if, if if it wasn't, it was some down to that same year that she went down there. Okay. Um. <clears throat> How do you feel? Well, yeah, we were talking about the, the reunions and how you got to see people that you went to high school with and knowing your whole life, and it was good to catch up with them. How do you feel that Shirley Owens, the school itself, impacted your life? Like, do you, how do you feel going to Shirley Owens prepared you for life after Shirley Owens? Well, <laughs> I can remember them teachers used to tell us me and the rest of us too, that we needed an education. Now we might, we didn't, well, we, I would say I didn't and probably a lot of more of us didn't take it as serious. They were serious when they told us, us that. Right. But we, you know, we didn't know. You know, the way we saw things, well, if we were seeing things at the time, we, you know, it was kind of hard to envision anything kind of beyond what we were used to. Right. But them teachers knew we needed educate uh, an education. We needed it for our everyday life to get a job, to be able to just to read and write and stuff. And they were and they was doing their job. It it all to say all of them was top, were, were were the best that we, that could have come there. Probably not, but they came there and did their best. They did a lot better than I knew at the time, you know, even, you know, I didn't go any further in school and just just got out of the 12th grade, but them teachers, them teachers taught me though, me and everybody else that came to them, they taught us. And I had to say they they did a very good job. And uh, being that now, the next time that was, I believe it was last year, uh, our class hosted that Sheila Owens reunion thing. And the next time we host one, well, they kind of do it. I, if I have to be a part of it for it to speak, I want to, I want to tell them as many of them there that what I appreciate about them teaching me now, they taught me now. I might not have did all I was could have done, right. but they taught me. They taught everybody that come to them. And like I said, the, the difference from what I understood, from what I was told about how much more advanced a white kid was than we was, and then to find out that wasn't necessarily true, that don't mean that wasn't no well-educated white kids down there. They had to be. Right. There was some well-educated black kids at that school, but we, you know, you were black. You didn't. Get, you weren't supposed to have the best and do the best. That's the way thing was 
was set up to were done at that time, that kind of a stuff. But to find out it wasn't true, and well, what the difference was, and I, I guarantee you, if any of them, if your kids that went through Sheldon, when they think about it, the difference was with them teachers. The credit, that's where it belonged to those teachers. Wow. Shout out to all the teachers from Shirley Owens. Um, so to, to kind of wrap it up, is there any, well, that, that was a powerful statement there, but is there anything else that you feel needs to, you want to say about Shirley Owens, your time there? Um, anybody that's listening to this, what they need to know about that school, anything else that you can think of that you want to talk about? As far as Shirley Owens goes? Well, I'll tell anybody that went to school at Shirley Owens, no matter what you thought of Shirley Owens at the time, but you just think about what you were there for. And the edge and that's where you was educated. That's where you was educated at. You know, that don't mean if you'd have went somewhere else, you wouldn't have got educated. You you was at Shirley Owens for because that's where your parents Whoever your guardian was, and that's where they sent you to school at. You, you know, you can't go back and redo it, but uh, wherever you are in life now, your, you know, your education, how much you got, past Shirley on Shirley on what it won was your foundation, and you build on that from Shirley Owens. And for me now, like I said, I didn't go on the high school, on the college. But I think I I I taken what I got from Sheila Owens and I appreciate it. And like I said, from them teachers and what they taught me. And I went, I got to be a adult. I had to get a job and go to work. And that's when I realized I really needed that education. <laughs> but I think Sheila Owens and them teachers for what they did, doing their best to teach me what I needed to know. To go out, to, you know, to, to to go out in life. At that at that point, now even though I made that decision, I'm sure them teachers they were preparing, they were preparing me basically to go to college. Now that was a decision I made not to go to college. It wasn't them teachers, right? It was me. But I took what they taught me, and I had to give them credit. They they did they did better than I thought they did. Then I realized, you know, it takes them years. For me to realize they did a fantastic job. And some of them I know, and you know, if I if I see them and whatever I see them again, I'm gonna let them know that they, they did. They did a very good job. Is, is there anything you want to say to the children of people that went to Shirley Owens and the grandchildren, people that went to Shirley Owens about what Shirley Owens meant to to the students that went there? Well, for them. And especially for all of our black young men and women, and especially the black male, your parents listen to them. You go into school, them teachers now listen to them. Them people teaching, if they got some, if they got knowledge to impart to you. Now, if you already know everything, you don't need to be going to school. You wasting them, them teachers' time. Get your education, cause you gon' you gon' I'm t basically telling you the same thing they told me. Get the education because it's there. If that teacher is there in the class and they teaching you, pay attention to what they telling you. Do what is that's your job now. At at this point, 
that's your job to get an education. Get all of it that you can. Well, I can remember the time some of the subjects say, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what, what am I going to use this for? Especially kind of like algebra and geometry. <laughs> you know, what am I going to use it for? Get it anyway. You know, get it, learn it. You, you'll find some use for it. That old saying is better to have it and don't need it than to need it and don't have it. Right. That his, it's true. You you'll realize it later on. Get go get the education. It'll take it'll take you a long way. It will take you a long way. That education. We don't. We have struggled too long. For uh, some of that wasn't able to come. Well, see, when I was going to school, a lot of kids they had to drop out of school and help. The mother and father, you know, worked to, to, to help take care of their family. Uh, that, that that happened to a whole lot of kids. It wasn't just a few; it was a lots of us right. that that happened to. But you know, I'm not. I don't know if that happens now. It, it might. I don't know. But if it do, it don't happen. It ain't as often as it was back then. So you're in a position to get an education. Get get you an education as much education as you possibly can all right sounds good any final final words anything else on your mind well the thing i would tell the young even the old if you don't number one put god first god family and education them three but god first family and education because we had a black family we need to be more closer together than what we are. We sit out and start doing things. It's, I don't know exactly what happened. It, it's some, some things within the families that it, they ain't as a closer unit as, as they used to be. But God, family, education. Okay. We'll close it out there. Thank you for... Uh sitting down and talking to me for two and a half hours <laughs> i wasn't expecting it to go that long but i mean hey it's good stuff that was said here today and uh thank you for uh for chatting with me you're welcome once again i want to thank mr jimmy mckenzie for joining me on this episode and you know sharing his life with us man i i really do appreciate you sitting down and Everything that you and my mother have done for me and uh, my sisters, and um, giving you that, I just thought you need to give you the opportunity to tell your story and um, let people know, like, hey, man, uh, things was real back in the day, man, and and all the different things that that you've done and, like I said, my mother have done for us. I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and keep this outro short because this episode has gone very, very long. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you, uh, once again, follow the show on any platform that uh, you can listen to a podcast, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. However you're listening to this podcast, follow it, subscribe, uh, leave your comments, rate the show, um, like it, share it with other people. Um, if you want to shoot me a direct message, if you want to comment personally, you can do so on Twitter at Devin the six, three, that's D E V I N T H E six, three. You can hit me up on Instagram at all steak, no sizzle, one word. 
You can hit me up on Facebook. Just type in All Snake No Sizzle Podcast in your search bar, and trust me, it'll pop right up. And you can also shoot me an email. You can do so at asnspodcast at gmail.com. So once again, thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, got a lot of stuff coming up, people. Got a lot of different things in the works. Um, once again, go check out my man Q's episode. I was on there yesterday. You can uh, listen to that on, like I said, iTunes, uh, Spreaker, uh, SoundCloud, basically anywhere you can listen to a podcast. And that show is called Chopping It Up with Q. And it's episode 29 called Too Woke. Go ahead and check it out. I was on there. We had a good time. Uh, once again, go check out my girl Tony Robinson. Hit up all her social media. The Lady Essence, the underscore Lady Essence on Instagram. If you need one more information about that fundraiser. And once again, go check out my man G Infinite's video. A link will be in the uh, description. Um, or you can just go on YouTube and type in G.Infinite Not Human. Great video. It's crazy. So go ahead and check that out. So let's get up out of here, people. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate all of you. And I'll check you out next time. Peace.